that you cannot make friends with the rock stars. You're going to be a true journalist, you know, a rock journalist. You first never get paid much, but you will get free records from the record company. <laughs> Nothing about you that is controversial, man. God, it's going to get ugly, man. They're going to buy you drinks. You're going to meet girls. They're going to try to fly you places for free, offer you drugs. And I know it sounds great. These people are not your friends. You know, these are people who want you to write sanctimonious stories about the genius of rock stars. And they will ruin rock and roll and strangle everything we love about it. You know, because they're trying to buy respectability for a form that is gloriously and righteously dumb. You know, you're smart enough to know that. And the day it ceases to be dumb is the day it ceases to be real. Right? And then it just becomes an industry of cool. I, I mean, I'm telling you, you're coming along at a very dangerous time for rock and roll. I mean, the war is over. They won. And 99% of what passes for rock and roll these days, silence is more compelling. And that's why I think you should just turn around, go back, you know, and be a lawyer or something. I can tell from your face that you won't. I can give you 35 bucks. Give me a thousand words on Black Sabbath. An assignment? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey. You have to make your reputation on being honest and uh, you know, unmerciful. And if you're into a jam, you can call me. I stay up late. Fantastic. Why, hello, it's 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. Uh, thank you for coming along. It is uh, Monday, and welcome to Day uh, 12. We appreciate your uh, radio presence and your patronage. Uh, we're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. If you would like to join us today, uh, don't hesitate on my behalf. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, whatever you may have. 503 970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or somewhere in between and unclassifiable. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T uh, 970.am. By the way, for those at home who are playing the Richie Bristol uh, board game, Richie's nose is almost back to normal today. Yesterday it still looked a little burnt. Uh, today I would say that he's within striking distance of normalcy. So did he tell you about the phone number that he got? No. From from the girl. Who... From the girl who caused the nose burning. Yes. Please tell me that it went nowhere. That it was a fake number. I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you ask him. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, maybe we'll let the audience guess, and then Richie can come in and reveal the answer to that. So Richie burned his nose. We'll talk about this uh, later. Richie burned his nose last week. By the way, I relayed this story to Susan, and I thought she was going to. Uh, Lose bodily control. She laughed so hard. Richie burned his nose last week 
at a coffee place uh, because he had a full cup of coffee. And the girl said, would you know, would you like me to put some half and half or whatever to that? And he said, yes. He takes the lid off the coffee. She pours in the, the cream or whatever. And he, he then tries to be really cool by taking a big swig of the coffee. But, of course, he's busy staring at her breasts. And so he just nose right into the coffee. <laughs> Burns off the end of his nose. I'm sorry. I know it's wrong to laugh at the pain of others. But that is it's just funny. Well, he could get a new nose tip. Michael Jackson gets him somewhere. That's why he could just bandage it up. Just wax himself up. Also, and as he burns his nose, he, of course, yanks the coffee away and then pours it onto his stomach. Oh. <laughs> uh, fun. All right. Uh, anyway, CNN Radio correspondent Dick Giuliano uh, joining us today. He's normally on the clock pretty early, but today we get a chance to talk to him. Uh, we'll talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Dick Giuliano uh, about the Reverend Jeremiah Wright. And the only reason I care about that Attention, Jim Riley, is because apparently Jeremiah Wright was making fun of JFK. And I I didn't hear it, but Susan did. Let me go back and look again. Apparently he was... Now, I don't want to be uh, trafficking in half-truths, but Susan Reynolds, who is not known for fibbing, said this today, that apparently Re Jeremiah Wright, who was Barack Obama's... I don't know, whatever he is. Preacher, spiritual advisor. Spiritual advisor. Yeah, um, that's usually what they call them. The, apparently he was making fun of JFK's East Coast accent uh, and imitating it rather uh, rather broadly and poorly. I'm looking for that. I don't see it. Hopefully there's audio of it somewhere. I'm going to go find it. Uh, anyway, so Dick Uliano joining us today. We'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent James Roop uh, about the 600 bucks that may, even as we speak, be on its way uh, to your home. Uh, we'll talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve uh, Kastenbaum as well. Peter Carlin, uh, TV critic for the Oregonian, uh, joining us today. We have not one but two submissions for It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. And one of them is flat-out awful. Oh, I mean, they're both flat-out awful. One of them is just terrible but sort of timeless. The other one is terrible but really of, of the now. And I can thank Chris Paddock for it. Uh, he sent it my way. It's, uh, I'll just say that it's a political song. I will say that it's a political song, and I will also say this. It is why that Do You Like Barack Obama song that we that we faked a few weeks ago, why in the grand scheme of things it just sort of fades into the landscape, because the world is full of people making political songs that are terrible, and you can tell that they take them. I don't even know if I should. I almost want to give it away right now, but I know I have to, I have to reel myself in. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you guys... Um, have you guys seen the newest horrible pro-Hillary song, the video? No. No. Because you'd know what it. Is it? it, it well, see, that thing is, now I know it, because you'd know it if you'd seen it. If you knew what I was talking about, you would absolutely know it. Okay, so I'm going to spring it on everybody later. It's just, I don't usually use this phrase, it is deliciously bad. I mean, it's so bad. It's it's um. It's better than the cop phone call we just heard when he was oh. high on marijuana. Well, see, but then... <laughs> That is, see, there's nothing bad about that. That call was just made out of good. That call was made out of epic fantasticality. This, uh, this new Hillary Clinton song, to be fair, I don't think she asked this person to sing a song for her. I think the person just said, how can I get some more attention? I know I'll sing a Hillary Clinton song. And it turned out more poorly than you can possibly imagine. Oh, good. So we'll, uh, we'll get that later on. Uh, we'll answer the magical question, what's Scotty J doing right now? Um... Let's see what else. Oh man! I wrote down some choice, some choice quotes from Aren't Scotty J. Aren't you glad J. that I made you? <laughs> you know that was a complete surprise to me. Me uh, too. Seeing, oh, are we getting well, too I mean, much information? Well, here? let's. Uh, well, here's the thing. This is, uh, you know what it is. You know what it's like. People when don't you, know what we're talking about. 
I will I will explain here in a second, and I'll put it this way. You know how it's like. You know, Tim, it's like how because you use iTunes and bought the uh, George Michael thing, you were given the chance to pay three hundred dollars for a George Michael ticket. Yes, I know. But you know, sometimes you get like uh, you get like advance. Uh, chances to buy things or advance information or if you belong to like a Ticketmaster club or something, you get a chance. Here's the thing. For people listening today and only right now, uh, you will get a little uh, inside scoop about uh, some things that are coming up in the future. Ooh. Now, if you're not listening right now, this story will probably not be repeated and you'll be out, out in the cold. Um, Got it. So yesterday, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but yesterday... So even if they're not listening right now, listening to the podcast later, they're not going to hear this? Well, I guess if they're listening to this segment... If they are listening to this segment, either like what I'm saying is we won't tell the story later on the show. Gotcha. So if you don't hear this segment either live or on the podcast, so if you miss today's show, to this hour. it is exclusive to this moment in time okay. and later. You know what I mean. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's really not that exciting. <laughs> Stop building it up and just fill it. <laughs> Jeez. No, but a big build up and we give you nothing, like the evening news. Uh, anyway, so yesterday we were doing uh, some filming for the listener party because if you, you know every listener party we do, sort of you know some uh, the intro video and some video for later on. So we were doing the um, the the filming yesterday with a cast of thousands and one of the people who has a small role in the introductory video is going to be Scotty J. And so again, it's not like it's yeah, it's not a huge spoiler or something. It's not like the return of. Uh, it's not like the return of what's his name to 90210. Who was that? Dylan, Dylan McKay? McKay. Yeah. It's not like the return of. In no way is it like the Dylan McKay of, uh, effect. I can't stress no, how much not it's not back. like that. He's a businessman now, isn't he? Uh, well, if by businessman, here's what here's what I wrote down. So, so talking to Scotty yesterday, we're just sort of making conversation, and he was waiting for his for his scene to be shot. Uh, for the Lister Party video, sitting in the green room, and I for, exactly, and I forget exactly, I forget who it was who asked him this question, but somebody asked Scotty. It may have been Sarah, actually. Uh, in fact, it probably was. Said, "So, Scotty, you still reaching for the stars?" Sort of mockingly. Yeah, that was me. And the great <laughs> thing about Scotty is he doesn't know when he's being mocked. Like he can't really ever tell when the question is sort of screwing with him. So Sarah goes, "So, Scotty, still reaching for the stars?" And Scotty says, "Well, I keep buying lottery tickets." And he said without, which he did not say, like, as a joke. Um, and then Susan Reynolds followed up by saying, how's that working out for you, that buying lottery tickets thing? And Scotty says, pretty good, actually. And she said, did you win anything? And Scotty said, no. And that was the end of the conversation. And I don't think any of us could bear to ask any more questions after that. So, I mean, it was just four he lines. That he was working to, to earn money to uh, be able to buy lottery tickets to hopefully win the lottery. That's what his goal is every week. So there you go. So apparently the lottery is not for purposes of retirement or investment unless you're Scotty J, in which case it is all of those things. Anywho, all right. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. So only those with Social Security numbers ending in 2-0 will receive the IRS direct deposit handouts today. That's 2-0. Everybody else has to wait. Damn it. Democratic Party registration soars in Oregon. Barack Obama's minister comes out swinging against the media, Dick Cheney, and anyone else on his bad side. A woman scratching a cat on her lap causes a car crash. A 300-pound prisoner who lost 100 pounds claims he's not being fed properly. Amy Winehouse, don't ask me how, but is worth $20 million, putting her on Britain's richest list. And Miley Cyrus... Is just doing what any Disney girl would do nowadays, posing for racy photos. Well done, Miley Cyrus. And we oh. have a terrible story from Austria. That is the worst story. That story you're talking about from Austria? It's almost like it's made up and so bad. I, 
I actually went back and forth this morning about about whether I even wanted to read the story. Like somebody sent it to me. Many, many someone's actually sent it to me today. And it was and the audience all said the same thing. Every single email I got about that Austria story was uh, you know, hey, here's the worst thing you've ever read. And we get that a lot. How many times a week do people say this is the worst story? And it's always something really lame. It's like, you know, worms that grow inside your eyeball or something. So I looked at the opening couple sentences of this story about which you were talking, and I was so horrified by it that I almost didn't want to read further. And then I did. And here's the thing. I'm such a bad human being. And I read further. You know why? Because there were pictures. And, of course, the pictures made... I had to read further to look at the pictures. Do you know the story we're talking about, Sarah? No, no, I don't. Jesus. Oh, my gosh. You, I mean, you almost... Here's the thing. You don't want to read it, but you'll have to read it. It's not graphic in any way. It's not an injury. It's not the not, not the physical kind, anyway. It's not like somebody impaled on anything. It's just one of those stories that is just... Just the limited facts alone. Oh, I can't even... I mean, yeah, it's just the... It, you know what it is? It's like... It is like... You, never, you ever watch... Uh, CSI or one of those shows or, you know, a show like that, and you think to yourself, like, this would never happen. Like, there's no way that anything this deviant and warped actually exists uh, on planet Earth. Not even in Mississippi or <laughs> Appalachia. <laughs> and then you realize it does. You realize it really works the opposite way, that all of those crime shows really draw from true life most of the time. Um, so this is, that's the only way I can describe this story that we're going to have later from Austria. Again, it's not graphic. There are no horrible details in terms of like actual violence or anything it's just it's concerning it is just disturbing in the deepest place um and all i can say is it is like it is like some awful csi story come to life uh so we'll get that later on i mean it, it's too big of a story because everybody's sort of talking about it today not to be read but it's just it's just so wrong Speaking and of it's wrong, not even from America. Usually we don't pay attention to anything outside. <laughs> no, I mean, I do we ever? You know, there are earthquakes. It's like a couple times a year. Aren't there earthquakes in India that kill like five million people? And yeah, it sort of I doesn't even register here. Well, it's India. Like it's sort of on the crawl at CNN. It's like right between weather and hockey scores. Anyway, so we'll get to that later on. Um, all right, joined today as always by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm doing very well. All right, excited Good. for tonight. I am so excited. It was one of those things I woke up this morning, and I was like, oh, it's a Monday morning. I'm like, wait, today's the 28th. It's the fall season. So, uh, which is, so the, 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 uh, Gray, um, Glenn Hansard and, um, Marquetta, Marquetta, for the, for the couple from Once, uh, that won the Academy Award for the song Falling Slowly. Anyway, that, so that, uh, group, they are going to be, uh, here tonight, and, uh. And we and, and we dorkily bought our tickets on pre-sale, so even before they were on sale. I mean, months ago. It seems it seems like we bought our tickets even before the Academy Awards. I don't remember when we bought them, but it was months ago, wasn't it, that we bought our tickets for this? Yeah, I can you know I can look in here and. Anyway, so that's happening tonight. So the uh, so the once uh, guys are going to be in town tonight uh, doing a show. So I'm all uh, I'm all ramped up for it. It's all I, very exciting. All on Twitter. Um, we bought them on yeah the 25th of February. Yeah, I mean it's it, I was talking to Susan about it today. We've all been sort of we sort of bought the tickets, then he sort of forgot about it. And I had this moment of panic this morning when I realized that what I didn't. What if you missed it? Well, I didn't have my tickets actually, and I re I was asking Laura this morning. I'm like, did do you remember getting the tickets for the for the once concert? And she said no. And I said they didn't come in the mail or anything. And I had that horrible moment of panic where I realized that I had spent like $120 on tickets that I couldn't find. And so I went up and I asked you, I'm like, where did we buy those tickets from? And you said Ticketmaster. And so I went on and I realized that it was the thing where I have to print them out myself. So I did that this morning because I, I realized there was going to be no no tickets to be had. By the way, speaking of no tickets to be had, let me just say, 
You know what I found out uh, th- yesterday? I was having uh, Joni and I were having lunch after the after the video shoot. Do you know that Joni had a pair of tickets to that Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation? Ended up t- didn't think she was going to be able to go. She just threw them away. She just threw them away. They had to turn 300 people away at the box office for that thing. She could have sold those uh, for their weight in gold. She was like, yeah, I didn't get a chance to go. I just threw those tickets away. Oh, Joni. So, all right. Um. Well, let's see. Well, we'll get to a couple other things uh, before we sort of uh, uh, ramp up into uh, into um, uh, Steve Kastamam and Jim Rupert coming up later. Um, I, I don't know that I'm loopy today, but I am a little... I got, I'm just that weird knife edge of giddiness that comes from not getting quite as much sleep as you really need. Because I was up last night. This whole weekend was just weird. Because Saturday, I, I didn't sleep very well at all. And then yesterday, we had to get up early and go to the video shoot. Uh, and then I was just sort of... You know, a little frazzled from that, so I go home and then I watch Battlestar Galactica last night, which is not all that great. I mean, to sound like Johnny Buzzkill, but this season of Battlestar Galactica is just not really doing a whole lot for me. Uh, so I watch Battlestar Galactica, and then I got this 11-hour Beatles documentary that Lara got me for my birthday. And the problem with that is... Rick, it was 75 degrees out this weekend. It was beautiful out this weekend. Did you sit inside all weekend yes, and I did. watch? Yes, I did. Did you open the windows? No. Uh, not even the blinds. Did you go for a bike ride? No. I rode my bike all over the city, rode along the waterfront, went and played frisbee in the park. I didn't do any of those things. I, I didn't. Right. I didn't well, even, you just make me sad. I didn't even leave the house unless it was to go to, uh, you know, to, to go to the Crystal. You were standing outside for a while. That's true. I had to stand outside of the Crystal Bar. There was no way to get around it. I wanted to have somebody stand over me with a parasol, but that Only wouldn't really... Only because I was sitting in the back of the car. Had I been out of the car, you probably wouldn't get back inside. <laughs> would have crawled inside the, the, the back of the Cadillac. Um... Uh, but this is last night, though. I can be forgiven for watching television late at night, sure. can't I? Well, no. were you watching it also all day Saturday? Yes, yes, I was. I'm just saying, so don't forgive me for that. I'm saying I can be forgiven for the part after 10 p.m. Before that, feel free to hold me in contempt. Though. Okay. So I watched Battlestar, and then, <clears throat> anyway, so I just got this. The thing about this Beatles documentary is it's 11 and a half hours long, and it just, one episode just flows real seamlessly into the next, and there's no logical stopping point. There's one of those things where I looked up, and it was like 1.30 in the morning. I was like, Christ, i got to go to bed. So, and oh, and the, oh, but the other thing is, the other reason I was sort of whacked out this weekend is because Saturday night was Roger Klein. Mm-hmm. So, Lar and I were out really late, because he, he went out about 10.15, and he played until... Played until almost like 12.45, I think he played, like two, two and a half hours, something like that. And so, God damn, it was loud, too. It was one of those... Did you get to meet him? Uh, no, I didn't, because it was... By the time he got done, uh, by the time he finished, uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, who we interviewed last week, um, we went to see him at the at the Roseland on Saturday night. And I got there, and it was me and Lara, and we went with Chris Sneathan, who's a fan, and uh, whatever. And so we're there, and I... Got, I was there about 10 minutes. I re- re- you know, kind of slapped my pocket and realized I'd forgotten my earplugs. And, of course, it was the night that he chose to play just, like, louder than God. Uh, and so by the time we got home, I had that sensation where there was... It was like an alarm clock had been placed into each of my ears, and then they'd been sealed over with putty. Mm. So it was sort of, like, fuzzy and loud all at once. Um, I hate that when you when you fear uh, that you might have ultimately, like, uh, you finally do done it. No, I, finally, I feel like, did I finally do it? Did I finally make myself deaf and get that um, that tinnitus thing that totally. I'm going to go crazy? And that's it. You're like, this is the night. I will look it, back on exactly tonight. That's exactly it. I'm like, was it worth it? The last time I had that uh, problem was, well, actually, I was at the Keller and saw the killers. Yeah. I couldn't hear properly for about a week and a half. Yeah. And I thought I'd done it. And that's it. You're like, I've broken off all of those little things inside my ear. They're just, and that's they're when dead. you realize, yeah, that thing that, that just can't be fixed. <laughs> they don't grow back. Uh-huh. So I was actually a little freaked out about it that night night when I went home because it was really like everything just sounded like this but but with a sort of happening at the same time and 
I woke up Sunday morning to come down to meet you guys for the video shoot, and I was still it was still about like this, and I was. I kind of had this low-grade hysteria going on in my head uh, that I had permanently deafened myself. Um, Ooh, gas at $10 a gallon. That's not happening now, by the way. No, but it, it, it may... They fear. They fear. In San Mateo, the price is already four sixty-two. Jesus, really? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, I'll have no... De- Damn it, they're going to make me bicycle, those bastards. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I, I, I went shopping over the weekend for groceries for the first time of the weekend. I noticed the prices have gone up. On quite a few items. Oh, yeah. No, it's true. It's not. I was at Trader Joe's, and things were like 50 or 60 cents more. Price hikes are not just for rice anymore, Tim. No. Uh, all right. Um, in any event, so Roger Klein on Saturday. Great show. Met a bunch of listeners there. Uh, were really cool. Everybody had a great time. And you know what the really cool thing about it is? That I met several listeners who said that they either had never heard of him or they had just known the refreshments in the 90s but had kind of lost track of him. And that they came and they had a really good time. So it's always, you know, it's always cool when you feel like you've introduced somebody, somebody to to a band or an artist that they like. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he put on a great show. But afterward, he had on the show. He's like, you got to come backstage. And he didn't finish till almost one. And he was hanging around meeting fans and you know just talking to people. And I thought about it, but Laura had to get up to go to work at five thirty in the morning. And I was like, you know, I just can't. There's just no. I was like, we have to get out of here because otherwise she's never going to, you know, she's going to be going to work on two hours sleep trying to dispense medication while walking around in a coma. So, anyway, we ended up uh, going, ran into um, Brian uh, from KNRK, though. Uh, oh, cool. who's, uh, he's a big fan as oh, well, so we kind of bonded over, over Roger Klein. I don't have time to tell, I don't have time to tell this story, though, about Saturday nights. The one I was kind of telling you about before the show. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have time to tell that because we got to come back and talk to Steve Kastenbaum here in a second. Oh, by the way, though, but you'll note today, day one of the beard grow. Right there. You can't really see. No. Because I shaved yesterday morning. Uh, so this is, uh, I'm going to keep growing the beard until a couple days for the listener party and then we'll, we'll assess it at that point. Uh, but today is day one of Rick Emerson's beard growth. So it's, it's not really visible. It just looks like I forgot to shave this morning. So it, it, it really is. a little is, dirty. Yeah, it is. And I, oh, by the way, today's the day I have a big client meeting, so that'll be fun. <laughs> Get to sit there and, hello, I'm Rick Emerson. It was like when you did the medical hair restoration, you had all those big meetings. You kept showing up in a baseball cap. Totally. Hi, this is our program director. Hey, what's up? And I like the, like the, like the big no little league hat. game today. <laughs> yeah. So today I just look, uh, I just look filthy. It's, it's hard to tell. I mean, well, that came out wrong, didn't it? <laughs> Let's take a break. Possible to visualize after one day. Uh, Can't gauge this filthiness. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, Tim. Thanks so much. That's what I meant. Your support is appreciated. Back after. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-3970. It's Monday. Coming up here in just a few, uh, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Later on, James Roof, who I think is like hip deep in that California wildfire. Uh, let's see. Dick Juliano going to be joining us in the 1 o'clock hour. Tim Riley's uh, new news hour coming up uh, at noon. Uh, later, this bed is freaking me out. Is it supposed to be doing this? I don't know. You put it in. There's one of these beds that has like a dramatic pause. And I don't know if it's this one. So I, I didn't, thought because there's another one with a dramatic pause, but that wasn't me. I was wondering if it's just the AV, if the audio vault is just freaking out. All right. Anywho, uh, the hell was I doing? Oh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. So Roger Klein on Saturday. So I told Sarah a little bit about this. So the the guy about whom I am telling this story is was probably so drunk. Well, was so drunk he probably doesn't even uh, remember this. So I asked Sarah. 
you and I had this whole conversation before the program, and I said, I said I want to kind of tell the story about a listener on Saturday, um, but I don't want everybody to think I'm talking about yeah, them. Yeah, you said you met a lot of super rad listeners. Yeah, there were a bunch of listeners, and and to be fair, there was nothing. I mean, this guy wasn't. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. It's just sort of a an, sort of a, an odd, awkward kind of story. But I didn't want everybody who was there to be listening and going, I wonder if he's talking about me. So here's the thing. Um, if you are listening to this, I'm not talking about you, because you would know if this was about you. And frankly, if this, if you were the person about whom I'm about to speak, you, you would not remember this uh, anyway. So I did meet, I met a whole bunch of really cool listeners there. Uh, don't worry, I am not speaking about you. Uh oh. There's Steve Kastenbaum. Um, so what we'll do is we'll bring on, we'll bring Steve on, and then I'll kind of quickly tell the story, uh, and then we'll talk about that, what's going on in the uh, in the big city. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 from New York, ladies and gentlemen. Broadcaster to the stars, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, happy what? Monday. Thank you, sir. How's your, how's your weekend? How's life? Really good. Uh, went down to D.C. Got to see Lisa Goddard uh, at work in D.C. Lisa who? I'm sorry, Lisa Desjardins. Yeah. So, gee, because she just has that, like, little Capitol Hill, like, news booth thing she's in, right? Yeah, I didn't get to go to the Capitol because I was there over the weekend. So I went to see CNN's uh, prestigious bureau in Washington, D.C. while I was down there. When you say prestigious, do you mean tiny? Uh, it was actually pretty cool. I liked it. Excellent. Um, so, now, let me ask you this. Uh, do you mind uh, if, if you sort of do, – do you mind bearing with me while I sort of uh, take 90 seconds to tell the story about something happened to me on Saturday? Oh, sure. I, I love your personal stories. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, it just it, it, So, anyway, I went to, so just to, so you know what I'm talking about. So I went to uh, a show on Saturday to see this band, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And uh, and you missed me sort of giving this preface, this kind of disclaimer, that I don't want, because I, I ran into a few listeners there, and I don't want listeners who I met to be thinking that I'm talking about them. Um, because, really, the, you would know if this was about you. So... There I am, and we're down, and we're down on the floor at the Roseland, and so we're, at, I don't know, about 20, 30 feet from the stage, kind of, you know, hanging out. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's um, I don't know how many people the floor of the Roseland holds there. Is it, what, like a few hundred? I mean, maybe, I would think so. I mean, 500 maybe people Yeah, like, on the four, floor. like 400. So, you know, it's, you know it's, it's fairly crowded, but, I mean, as the night goes on, people are sort of spreading out, so it's not, like, jam-packed. So there is some room down by the stage. So it's me and my wife and our friend Amanda was there, too, and our friend Chris Neathen, who was kind of hanging back. And mm -hmm. so... I am there, and, you know, the band is playing, and everybody's, you know, sort of, you know, drunkenly sort of flailing around as they do. And there's this one guy who's a listener who had sort of introduced himself to me earlier in the night. And uh -huh. at one point, he's kind of dancing around and doing his sort of like happy drunk guy thing to the band. And I notice that he's kind of brushing up against me a lot. Oh. Uh, sort of like, sort of like, you know, sort of sidling up to me and then just sort of, like, it's not like he's grinding on me or anything, but really is sort of. You know, very uh, sort of making a lot of a lot of like hip to hip contact with me as yeah. he's dancing. Well, and I you know, and I think okay, well you know what it's a, you know it's a, it's a, it's a, you know it's a crowded show and there's only so much floor space and that's fine. But you know I'm just going to step back if it's all the same to everybody and just sort of move over here. So I step back about two feet, and over the course of about the next sixty seconds, I notice that he he kind of like sidles up to me again, and about two minutes later, there he is, kind of dancing, sort of brushing up against me. And here's what it was sort of like, is that when my wife is not at home or working uh, overnights or out of town or something, when, I, when I'm at home sleeping by myself, my dog will jump up on the bed and sleep next to me on the bed. Mm -hmm. And 
my dog does this thing where he gets like this whole pre-sleep ritual where he'll like lick his paws or chew on his tail or just, you know, whatever, all of the crap he does before he goes to sleep. And he will jam himself right up next to my legs on the bed and then begin like his pre-sleep cleaning ritual and it and bumping into me and it bugs the hell out of me. So my dog does that. I will scoot over in, in the bed to give myself about a foot between me and the dog. But then about 60 seconds later, I notice the dog is right up next to me again doing the pre-cleaning ritual, you know, the pre-sleeping ritual, and just bumping into me and it driving me crazy. That's kind of what this guy was on Saturday. So I would move over about two feet to give him room to sort of do whatever he was going to do. And then about 90 seconds later, I would realize he was right next to me again, dancing, and it's like trying to make as much body-to-body contact with me as he danced as possible. And let's be very clear about this. Rick Emerson is an open-minded man. Rick Emerson... uh Rick Emerson, about yourself in the third person. I'm just saying I'm a man of inclusion. Uh, it was just a little. It was just a little bit awkward though, because and if you had watched, well, like, you don't want to be mean too, especially if like he's a listener and like he was <laughs> totally sober early on and then gets a little drunk and a little frisky. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I didn't. I don't think he meant anything malicious by it. I think he just wanted to share the love. But if you had watched like a time lapse uh, video of the evening, like you would, you would have seen me making basically. Like sort of the rotation of the uh, of the Earth or whatever, you would have seen me gradually moving in like a huge ten foot circle in like foot and a half increments, uh, and everywhere I would go, he would just sort of follow along, and over the course of a song, would somehow be right up again next to me, sort of dancing and brushing his body up against mine, like as often as he could. All in all, it was just a very odd experience. Yeah. Like a Benny Hill skit. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he seemed like a very nice guy. A very have, nice guy. Have you ever met him before? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, have I ever met him before? Uh, yeah, we yeah we've run into him at some uh, at some listener events. So again, I'm you know I'm not saying there's anything weird or strange about him. He just apparently had some uh, usually repressed uh, desire to dance, uh, you know, like right next to me, like <laughs> right next to me, that I think only came out on Saturday after many 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 beers. So it's all. I mean, it was just one more shade to a many splendid and interesting evening. You know, you never know. He might be dancing to your show right now. It's entirely possible. Standing there, nude in his living room, covered in talcum powder, swaying to and fro. Oh, sounds like boy. Your, sounds uh, like your own personal uh, version of, of the Seinfeld episode of the cl- with the close talker. Exactly. That totally yeah. was. He was like a close talker, but he was the close dancer. Uh, and so, and and it was sort of be, you know, and I would kind of move over because I kept thinking it was accidental. I kept thinking, like, well, that guy's had a few. He doesn't really realize how how broadly he's swaying to and fro. So I would take, you know, like a good three steps to my right, putting about four feet between us. And then by the middle of the next song, I would feel that familiar sensation of, like, his hip rubbing up against mine. And I would look over, and there he is, kind of, like, gyrating to and fro and sort of giving... Eyebrows wiggling up and down. (laughs) Sort of giving me the long look. So, I mean, it was kind of flattering in a strange way. It was just odd, that's all. When someone rubs up against you like that, it's never accidental. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, and so, you know, so I just learned it. By the end of the evening, I was just taking it as one extended compliment. That's what I was doing. All right. Um, so I, I, I know there's, there's, there's like the most abrupt segue ever, but it's. I know that there's a little bit of a, a difference sometimes in what is happening on the East Coast and what's happening elsewhere and news stories and whatever. But here, at least speaking for us here in Portland, we haven't really heard much about this whole sh- uh, this whole story uh, uh, that happened with Sean Bell, but I know that in, in New York this is, it's become a, a huge thing, and this is that guy where what he was shot like fifty times or something. Right, he, it was uh, hours before his wedding. It was about four thirty in the morning. Uh, he and his buddies had just come out of the strip club in Queens, kind of a shady place where uh, the police vice squad 
was um, investigating for, for prostitution and that sort of thing, and these undercover cops were inside, and there had been some sort of uh, altercation inside the bar that made the police think that one of these guys was going to be going for a gun. So they confronted uh, Sean Bell and his uh, bachelor party friends outside. Uh, Sean Bell's car lurched forward. Uh, they say that he was trying to run into them with the car, whatever. They opened fire on, on him and his friends, thinking that they had a gun for whatever reason. It uh, turned out that they were unarmed, uh, but they fi- fired a total volley of 50 shots, and Sean Bell was killed. Uh, two of his friends were very badly injured, one of them critically, but they, they survived. And his wedding was to take place that day. Well, the three detectives were acquitted uh, of manslaughter charges. In fact, they were acquitted of all charges brought against them on, on Friday they waived their right to a trial by jury, instead took their chances with a judge, thinking they'd get a more favorable outcome, and they wound up getting a favorable outcome, nothing. And they were found not guilty on all counts. So naturally, people were very, very upset. People suspected at least that they would get uh, reckless endangerment, that they would be found guilty of reckless endangerment, considering how many shots were fired, that one of the guys actually had time to reload and empty his clip. Uh, one of the shots, the bullet actually wound up in a nearby subway station, so they were saying that that's reckless endangerment. Well, today, uh, Congressman uh, Conyers, who chairs the uh, chairs the uh, House Judiciary Committee, he was uh, here in New York, and he's touring the site. He's the same guy who held uh, hearings on the Gena 6, uh, the Gena mm-hmm. 6 story. So they're, they're thinking about uh, looking into whether or not there should be some federal civil rights violation uh, charges brought against the detectives now. But, I mean, and every time something like this happens, some uh, mass acquittal or some court decision with which any, you know, large share of the populace disagrees or there's the perception that it's somehow been rigged, I mean, everybody kind of holds their breath, right, and you just wait for the sound of breaking glass. And that didn't happen here. People responded uh, very uh, in a very reserved manner. They were obviously very upset, and they still are, and there was uh, another protest over the weekend but uh, there were numerous vigils and, and marches and, and demonstrations uh, since this shooting took place, and none of them were really uh, anything to be concerned about. I mean, there were there were people who were angry, but but nothing got out of hand. So I think uh, the mayor and the police commissioner uh, were of the of the mindset that it wasn't going to happen that way this time, and, and they were right. You know, people protested and demonstrated, but it wasn't like some of the uh, incidents from ten years ago, like the shooting of Amadou uh, the Amadou right. Diallo uh, incident. Not the shooting, sorry, the Amadou Diallo. Uh, incident and and that that incident caused uh, some pretty pretty frightening uh, moments in the city. All right, my friend. Well, may the rest of your week be relatively uh, riot free then. And uh, are you on tomorrow? Yes, I am. Oh. It's riot free, pope free, and primary free. It's your best week ever. My best week ever. Yes. All right, brother. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. There's Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. By the way, I should point out a couple other things. So uh, on the way out after the show. Uh, Laura and I ran into uh, a guy named Johnny, who is a really cool who's a, a listener as well. And then I told you about, did I send you the email from this guy, Jeffrey? Jeffrey, the, Jeffrey, the, the, the college teacher? I think I oh, forwarded I think, it yeah, to I you. Yeah, I think you forwarded it to me. I haven't read it yeah, yet. Yeah, the so. subject one says Roger Klein show. It's just the weirdest thing. I don't mean to be uh, all about the, the glory of us. It's just the strangest thing. I met this guy on Saturday who came up and he said, hey, I'm a teacher. And that's kind of all he said. He just said, hey, I'm a teacher, and I, you know, I tell my students about your show. And, you know, we get people, some of the people of whatever profession who sort of spread the word, or they like the show, and they want other people to listen to it. So you hear that a lot. Somebody says, I'm a cab driver, I tell people about your show. Or I'm a bartender, I tell people about your show. So this guy, Jeffrey, comes up and he says, hey, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a teacher, and I tell people about your show, and it's great. And I said, hey, thanks so much. So 
he sent me this email. I have time to read the whole so thing on the air. He came up to visit. Uh, he just he spotted me. I was down the floor, and it was before. Oh, Roger but, it's, Klein but came his on. location is different from Portland. I'm unclear about why he was here because the bottom line is uh, that he teaches American history at Stanford. And bizarrely enough, he uses this show as some sort of a teaching aid, which really scares me <laughs> in any number of levels. Uh, at Stanford, he teaches a class on, well, he says, I taught a class at Stanford on Bob Dylan and American culture that dealt with the realities and myths of pop culture. Unlike uh, most professors who claim that pop culture is about subversive consciousness or radical culture resistance, I tell my students pop culture is all about constructing community in the modern world. Uh, he says, I made students listen to your full post-Listener Party 10 show and attempt to trace the web of associations you and your listeners have created. It blew their minds. Several students have become regular podcasters. I'll try to recruit a few to come up to the next Listener Party as long as I can shelter them from Richie. Best show ever. And then he says, Jeff, Ph.D., American History, Stanford University. So that's like a bit, a little bit of a mind warping. That's kind of, kind of crazy. The idea that there's some malleable-brained college students being subjected to the inanity that is this radio program. So, all right, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Just a few. We will talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Um, I have a couple emails to get, but I want to make sure that I that I get to this uh, stuff before we get. Uh, before we have to break away for uh, James Roop here. This is uh, Rick. Um, I went to the Jonathan Colton show on Friday. Because you didn't end up going to that, did you? No, no, I didn't end up doing that. See, and I didn't either because I was just, I was so beat on Friday night. Uh, and frankly, as I think you and I both said, it was like after, you know, we had him in the studio and he played a couple songs for us. It was just so great that I kind of, it like anything else, I think it would almost it almost it felt like it would have been tempting it fate, you know, to to go to the show and mm-hmm. to see you know for to hope to be that good. But apparently it was. This guy says, Rick, the Jonathan Colton show Friday night was effing awesome. Uh, one of the evening's highlights was when three nerds in lab coats, presumably from their place of science geek work, presented Colton with his very own employee badge, complete with photograph. Uh, I very seldom feel cool, but that night I did. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, this, that guy was just the nicest thing ever. He was the coolest guy, man. I was listening back to that today mm-hmm. uh, as part of the recap. And sometimes when you're in the moment of doing those, I know it just sounds like this whole last segment has been all about how great we are, but it, when you're doing those interviews, you sort of think it's great, but you, you know, you don't really know if that's just your perception of the moment or the real thing. But I was listening back to the recap this morning, and the guy was just fantastic. He was really, really good. So uh, if you missed his show on Friday or you didn't get a chance to hear him on the show, uh, you can uh, find more of his music uh, at JonathanColton.com. Uh, uh, before we talk to him, we'll get, and it looks like, I'm wondering, what time is it now? Is Rube late? No, 11.49. Okay. So we'll give, I know he's kind of in the wildfire, so we'll give him a little bit of, uh, a little bit of leeway here. Uh, somebody says, uh, Rick, I heard you referencing that Miley Cyrus photograph. Which photograph are you talking about? Because there's now there three. There are so many creepy ones of her out because there. Because there are now three different Miley Cyrus photographs. And I don't know which one uh, Tim is going to be reporting on later on, but we've got the one. We've got the whole series of photographs last week when she was pulling up her shirt or pulling down her shirt uh, to show off her bra, which is weird, like in any number of ways. And then we've got the one that you sent me or that somebody sent me that you referenced where it's like her and her dad posing together. Yeah, it's like the color, uh, the cover of. Um... Some magazine, I can't remember, some random magazine, too, like Cowboys and Indians or something. 
And then there's and then there's the one the cover of Vanity Fair, which I think is the one that uh, that Tim is going to be talking about. And that one is the most disturbing one. See, I, I don't see, and I I find the one with her and her dad uh, posing here to be the creepiest. This is Rube, so we'll we'll talk to Rube. We'll break. We'll come back with Tim Riley at the top, uh, and more. But so we'll talk about these later. But I got my, I got all kinds of thoughts on this. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent James Rube. Hello, sir. Sir. So you are, wait, so are you in the, is this another one of those thrice yearly things where you're in the middle of a wildfire somewhere? It's, uh, yes, indeed, sir. Jesus, man. So. Although this isn't a very big one. It's 500 acres. No, nothing really. It's just a lot of fuel, so it's going to burn for a couple of days. Can I tell you this? Uh, that because I'm a dumb American, I have no idea how big an acre is. Like when somebody says, you know, hey, I just bought myself a house on 20 acres, I have no idea what that That's is. That's huge, like a, by the way. 20 acres. Is, is it? Yeah. I mean, is that, the, how many miles is an acre, do you suppose? Uh, it's not, you can't really, you can't really do it in miles. But I mean, um, like what is, like, uh, like a football field? What, is a football field an acre? Uh, no. <laughs> I guess, I guess not. I guess they would say an acre instead of a hundred yards then. Yeah, they would call it, uh, he went the whole acre. <laughs> See, I, because we have these stories so often they'll go, there's a 6,000 acre blaze. And in my head, I try to picture that. And I don't know whether it's like very tiny or very huge uh, or somewhere it, in between. It's like fifty thousand square feet or something. I mean, it's it's uh, it's maybe three quarters of a football field. All right. Well, well, in any event, so this, but it, relatively speaking, this is not like a huge deal going on down there. Not no, not really. I mean, it, it only because it's the first fire, really, of the ongoing fire season. It's the opening act. You know, yeah, pretty yeah. much. All right. And it's hot, and the humidity is down. And so it's a it, it's a it's a miserable job. You see these guys climbing the hill, and you're going, oh man, why would you even? Well, and I mean, like we've sort of talked about the firefighters there before. Here's a dumb question: Do those guys get paid a lot? They get paid uh, very well. I mean, they would have to. I mean, I know that everybody, you know, there's civic duty and love of one's country and state and so forth. But really, your sense of pride uh, in your community only goes so far when you're being asked to put on, you know, 100 pounds of gear and go out there when it's 94 degrees in the middle of a blaze that could kill you. And you don't know how long you're going to be in the middle of that mix. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean they're, they're dropping water into you in the, in the middle of a fire. You, when they drop provisions, you're going, crap, I'm going to be here for a while. <laughs> and a patent. I mean, I love Portland and all, but really, I, I again, and I, I think it don't really only it only extends to a certain point. Um, all right. Well, in any event, I, I know that it, it's kind of a, a crazy uh, day for you, so we'll, we'll kind of let you get back to it for a second. But I but we've been for the last couple of days talking about this uh, the tax rebate thing. Yeah. And so what is it that we found today that they're doing it like by social security number or something, which is the thing they don't ever really reveal to you. They sort of just they sort of give you the big headline that you're going to get six hundred dollars. But then we had some story today that it's like plane boarding where they say now boarding zones one through five. Whereas I think I think now they're going to give you social security numbers like if it ends in zero zero up to yeah. two zero you get it this week is that the deal? Yeah, well, and you have to have already filed your taxes and you have to have opted for um, uh, a direct deposit to get it like now. Otherwise, it's going to be May 9th or so before you see it. But yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So that six hundred dollars, I'm sure, is going to turn the economy around. I'm sure, everything's well, going to, and that'll offset the four dollar and sixty two cent gallon of gas that I think they have in San Mateo. If indeed everybody, you're talking millions of people, if everybody spends at least fifty percent of that six hundred bucks, that could do something. Whether that shock to the system will last, I don't know. 
Because someone asked me the other day, you know, well, okay, so we stimulate the economy with this. What happens when the 600 bucks runs out? You know, uh, I, I think a lot of economists are saying this could be the kind of boon that Christmas shopping has on the economy. Well, all I know is this is going to be a justification for me to tell my wife that I have to make a visit to Fry's Electronics. That's really, <laughs> I'm going to tell her it's for the good of the country. That really, well, The president wants you to spend it, whether it is you're paying <laughs> off debt with it, whether you're buying yourself something pretty, no matter what it is, as long as you spend it, or get it back out in the economy somehow, he's a happy man. Well, that's what it is. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to, I'm going to go out to Wilsonville, Oregon tonight, and I'm going to buy myself something that blinks and makes a whirring noise when you plug it in. <laughs> and I'm going to say that I've done my part for freedom. Wait till you get the check. Yeah. All right, brother. I will, uh, I'll let you get back to it. Stay, stay safe. Stay cool as well. I'll, I'll do my best, All right. Sir. Thank you, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back after this. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Next, Go Nowhere. We return in just moments on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Full of generic food. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Why did that go away? That's actually an interesting question. Where do the generic products... What, now, were generic products just replaced by store brand products? I guess so, products? Yeah. Like Western Family? Yeah. Well, Western Family was was around before that, though, because Western Family, I think, is the Safeway brand. Western Chemical. Do you ever look at the box, back box of a Western Family product? <laughs> what is this? The hazardous waste up in the box. <laughs> Why not make some for your family tonight? Diethylmethyl chloride. They'll mm. be dead within 10 years. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent Dick Giuliano. It's the worst song you've ever heard. And Peter Carlin. This, however, is your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, it's Monday, and we start off today with not knowing what to talk about, and now we have too many things. Uh, first, the most important thing, where is your money from the IRS? So we just found out uh, recently that you're only getting a refund today if the last two Social Security digits of yours are 00 through 20. So that's 00 through 20. And then what is the, uh, this is exactly like boarding an airplane. So what is the breakout of the rest of it? Okay. And you go to my website. I have all the dates uh, listed there at RileyLive.com. If, if the last two digits of your Social Security number are 21 through 75, yeah. May 9th. All so right. you get to wait a week. All right. Then for everyone else, 76 through 99, this seems so unfair, but it, that's the government. May 16th is your date. May 16th. Now, oh. this is for direct deposit. Right. Uh, so if I don't have direct deposit, I'm the first wrong. When would I expect to get my May sixteenth zero zero through zero nine? So and that's a slow boat. So the people, the uh, the people who have no direct deposit, they have to wait oh, the longest of all. Yeah, through July. Those poor souls. Yeah. All right. Through July. So did so, Sarah? Do you get direct deposit? I'm pretty sure I do because I, I mean, my I, refund appeared in my. Then you do get direct from, yeah. from the, No, no, no. Then it just appeared. Well, should I be worried it's now that deal. I didn't get it yet? I don't, you should be worried that that curtain's stuck on the back of your chair, by the way. Oh. Oh. I just see that being torn <laughs> down off the wall. Um, all right. Well, I have to wait a week then. 
but mm-hmm. that's, you know, all things being equal, that's all right. And then it'll just magically appear through the invisible hand of government. Yes. All right. So, so you can spend it on I'm like a half a tank of gas. I'm a, I was just going to say, man, dude. See, it's, it's, it's the vicious circle of the oil companies, basically. I mean, this is, don't you suppose this is a really good time to be like a Prius manufacturer, though, or yeah. somebody who's making hybrids? I can't. There's got to be a waiting list at this point. I can't even I imagine. I feel this is the 1970s again, where the Japanese auto industry overtook the Americans. That's it. If you read uh, Ayakoka's autobiography, uh, you, that's he points to. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know he, as in all autobiographies, you sense there's a little bit of retrofitting going on there. But if you read Lee Ayakoka's book, he talks about how he. Uh, you know, predicting, so, you know, we've got to make smaller cars, got to make more fuel-efficient cars. No, 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 let's make bigger, 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 heavier, more fins. And, of course, that's what the Japanese just creamed us in the 70s because there was gas lines. I mean, I, I mean, I was fairly young, but I remember gas stations closed, yeah. signs saying no gas today. Uh, I remember my dad going out and buying locking gas caps yeah. for every vehicle. Uh, because you just come out and you're, there's your neighbor on his knees with a tube, just <laughs> your gas into a, into a bucket. Uh, I mean, it was a weird time. And, that, and as you pointed out, that's when everybody started eating uh, generic food, mm-hmm. just the black-on-white labels. Sir, do you remember black-and-white generic labels? I do not. That was before she was born. Wow, man. That it's, youngster. That was, an, it was, you really missed out. It, it was a surreal, it was a, that was a surreal thing. The and, and I and I kind of wish they still existed because they were sort of beautiful in an awful way. Mm-hmm. Um, like you talking about like the white can like beer. Yeah, it would be stuff. literally, and it looks like a joke, but it would be beers a perfect because I'm not afraid of this. My dad bought generic beer by the case. Um, and well, I mean, to make a long, people who had kids in the '70s are really screwed during the last gas crisis. Oh yeah, I mean, they really had to economize. Oh yeah. Um, I I just remember seeing these big six packs, and it was just a white can. And then stenciled on it, I mean, a stencil font, it just said beer in black. We had generic macaroni and cheese, just black on white. I remember my mom buying, uh, like, generic tomato soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. It almost looked like some weird, like, post-Soviet kind of a thing, where yeah. there was just no decoration at all, you know? It was like something you'd see on the shelf in Cuba. So, uh, but you're right, we're probably had. it does see, it does feel like that sort of, circling to the drain has begun. I went to Trader Joe's yesterday and said, wait a minute, one thing is, whoa, it's like everything is like sky high all of oh, a yeah. sudden. No, all overnight, the prices went up considerably on the things I usually buy cheaply. Not just for rice anymore, Tim. I was just looking at some of these things. People are suffering. Instead of buying Lucky Charms, they're now buying marshmallows and stars. A cheap knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> but kids are being told they're the same thing. Possibly they are. Americans are switching from red meat to pork. Then back to pasta and poultry. Then the peanut butter and jelly. Then peanut butter and jelly without the bread. Sales of Nabisco graham crackers dropping 7.5%. Then small Keebler, stones. Keebler fudge shop cookies down 12.3%. Then at Best Buy, James Slesky, a mechanical engineer, was shopping for a big screen high definition TV. He knew it was going to cost $12,000, but he said at least we can watch movies at home anymore. <laughs> really? Yes. Is that his rationale? Yes, because you can't afford to go out to the movies. You have to watch them at home. And to do so, you, you must have to spend $2,000 on a big screen. You TV. must have a high-definition television. There's simply no other way to do it. Wow. Country yeah. supermarkets like Save-A-Lot are being swamped. People are not spending. They're changing how they buy things. You know, can I just say, there? it is at times like this and times of other economic stress and strain I really am grateful for my white trash upbringing because there's so many things that I just don't miss. And you know what? Can I just say it? 
There's mm-hmm. so many things here that won't require me to change my standard of living at all. Absolutely not. You and I live on Easy Mac. We're going to be just fine. I mean, really. I, I'm sorry, kids. We're just going to have to eat Kraft macaroni and spread cheese. You've always lived by low standards. It, no, it's true. I mean, well, good for you. That's, it I, won't hurt you a bit, well, will it? You know what, Tim? This is, as they say in divorce hearings, the thing about the standard of living to which I have become accustomed, mm-hmm. the standard of living to which I have become, become accustomed is unfathomably low. Mm-hmm. You're it, the new Donald Trump? I am. I am. It is. I'm screw that. I'm taking my my check from the government. I'm buying a scooter. Yeah. So I uh, at least you can take a scooter to the movies. And I told uh, I told Tim actually. All kidding aside, I mean th- 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 this really is the sort of thing that will force people to either take mass transit or yes, bicycle. My wife is actually. God bless her. My wife bicycles to and from work every day now, and has for about six weeks. Uh, a because you know it's exercise and healthy and whatever. And also she's just like I can't. She said it's not even a question of having the money. Uh, it's just the the actual almost physical pain that it causes you to, and I know that there's a lot of places in the world where gas is more expensive and blah, 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 but we don't live in those places. We live and it's here. It's American. They can't get their act together anyway. Yeah, I mean, we it, don't envy them. It's, I mean, I, saying, well, you know what? If you go to Brazil, your gas is going to cost $16 a gallon. I don't live in Brazil. I live here where, like, wouldn't we say that, how long ago was it they were saying the $2 gallon of gas may be a reality? I mean, it was just like 18 months ago or mm-hmm. something. Uh so the actual almost visceral pain that it causes you to pay $4.14 for a gallon of gas. Uh, and it just fills me with this white-hot uh, mixture of just of just rage and just, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just rage. Uh, so it's it does feel like we're at some sort of a cultural uh, tipping point, not to be alarmist, where we are going to be in that 1970s mindset again, which was just an ugly place to be. I mean, the 70s were just a very... Bad, horrible time for for the American economy, and I would and I would argue for the American state of mind, because if you think about the seventies, there was Vietnam, followed by Watergate, uh, and then the gas crisis, and then food, you know, the, the huge uh, recession, uh, the food shortages. Yeah, I mean, every, many didn't start in the winter. Unpleasant chest hair. Just everything went wrong, and then there was the the hostage crisis in Iran, and it was just a bad. Decade. That was not a good decade for America. Thank goodness for Olivia Newton-John. She saved us all, Tim. She did. Here's Tim Riley. So here are more things to be afraid of. Now they're predicting the virtual doubling of prices for gasoline at the pump for as much as $10 a gallon. Gasoline nationally has been accelerating upward in San Francisco, in the San Francisco Bay Area. In San Mateo, it is $4.62 a gallon. In Manhattan, but who would want to drive in New York? The premium gas is now $4.03 a gallon. Uh, blame it on the people of OPEC. Well, all right, we will. Won't do us damn it. Good, will we? So. Uh, meanwhile, back here, uh, one person is arrested, another injured this morning when a car slammed into a power pole and hit a house in Northeast. It happened at Northeast 75th Avenue and Northeast Halsey around 5 in the morning. What a way to wake up. A car, a large sedan, uh, crossed one yard while hitting a large shrub, then hit uh, a power pole, then slammed into the house. Luckily, the resident and his wife were sleeping in the basement at the time. And the impact of the power pole eventually slowed the car, but it crashed into his back porch and wrecked it, and also uh, did some damage to his foundation. Oh, by the way, real quickly, somebody sent me this. Here is a, a picture of the old generic beer. That's it? 
Awesome. That's it. That's what my that's what my dad drank. Yeah, uh, for the longest time. And of course, and because it was the seventies, and we were all, you know, everybody was dirt poor. Mm. Uh, my dad would save all the cans to return them to the recycling place. Sort of the endless shame uh, of of me and my personal life. Uh, my my friends from school would come over sometimes, and we would walk through the garage to get our bikes or whatever, and they go in and there. In my garage is a huge wall of empty generic beer cans. And so, a, it was indication. Hi, we're poor. We're buying generic beer. And b, yes, my dad drinks that much beer. So it was great and awful in like a hundred ways. Here's Tim Riley. Membership at Oregon's Democratic Party is surging in advance of the primary election May 20th. The party started the year with about 70,000 more registered voters than the Republicans and has doubled its advantage since then. As of Friday, the registration totals stand at 826,000 Democrats and 685,000 Republicans. So that's what's going in a lot of states anyway. Uh, oh, remember that uh, that car crash Friday afternoon? Yes. Mm-hmm. That closed down I-5 in Wilsonville? It turned out this guy uh, ran these people off a road. They arrested him. Zachary Stanton, or allegedly, uh, was arrested at the scene of the crash and later taken to jail. Charges of reckless driving, reckless endangerment, and assault. Uh, so, yeah, he ran another car off the road. Rolled several times. So we don't have any word on their condition. Uh, they do have serious injuries, but not believed to be life-threatening, so that's a good thing. Investigators have determined that the deadly crash between a 15-year-old bicyclist and a bus driver in Beaverton was unavoidable unavoidable on the part of the bus driver. Uh, the victim, Austin Miller, was uh, riding by the bus. It was a TriMet bus operated by Sandy Man Westbound on Southwest Farmington Road. It was entering the intersection of Southwest Murray Boulevard with a green signal. At the same time, the bicyclist, Austin Miller, was southbound. It was on the west side. It was an off-road uh, mixed-use path serving both bicyclists and pedestrians. So the actual uh, collision between the bus and the bicyclist uh, occurred west at the intersection. Based on the information, investigators concluded the collision was unavoidable, and no, cita- uh, no citations have been issued. Who wants to call the Oregon coast for whatever reason? Me. I think Richie does. He lives out there. Well, sometimes. A couple of decades back, you could dial up five numbers on that old rotary telephone and talk to your neighbor. Uh, Seaside Mayor Don Larson remembers those days and said he misses them, but time marches on. As of yesterday, many north coastal Oregon towns have to dial up to ten numbers, even to order a pizza. Uh, the change affects customers from uh, Cloverdale, north to Washington, then inland to Tillamook and Clatsop counties due to growing demand for telephone numbers. There's nothing they can do about it. So that Growing demand for telephone numbers sounds like a weird 1950s thing. That's, there's a growing demand for newfangled speaking devices. Well, people don't want party lines anymore. And did, you can blame them. Did you ever have a party line? Yes. I mean, I, I am, I am uh, young enough that I don't think I ever did. I think my, uh, my older brother remembers mm-hmm. them, but I don't. Yes. Okay, here's a weird thing. I have two questions. A, um, well, one is a question, one is an observation. When you're talking about the five-digit number, the... So that old thing you would see in television and movies where the guy would pick up the phone and he'd say, uh, I'm calling... Um, Give me Madison 5... Yeah, so I'm calling ClickAttack321. What does that mean? Well, the, the, there were two letters out of that word that were the prefix for the phone numbers. So, what is, so was it sort of like when they say 1-800-DIVORCE? It was, you know, when they... Yeah, rather whatever, than, whatever the divorce digits are, that's what the first two digits of one of those old so telephone numbers instead were. Of saying, instead of saying 6 2 Three one one five. They would say Madison three one one five. Yes, interesting. Yeah, they I must like get better. I do. I like it. They, we should get. We should start doing that again. Let's let's, see. let's start doing it today. Um, let's see, five zero three, and then it would be nine seven zero. So it'd be now. See, but 
we ran into this before. There's no vowels. We have we have a very very we have precious few vowels to work with. Did CVS take them away? They did. And there's no vowels, just savings. So the all this because of Katie Couric, we had vowels at one time in this company <laughs> to use as we please. Next, they come from my feet. The other thing is this. Uh, so I was making a telephone call on my on my uh, BlackBerry on Sunday, and I don't know if this is a thing that all cell phones do now, or just mine, or if I just but but. I was calling. Um, uh, I was calling the car place. You know, we had that car we were using on Sunday, mm-hmm. and I was calling the car place, and just inadvertently, I left off the area code. I just dialed the two five seven blah 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 whatever it was, and you know what? My phone automatically dialed. It added the area code to it. Oh, that is a smartphone. So my question is: Is that my phone that did it? Does my phone, because they because of where I live, does it default to five zero three? Uh, or is there somehow that, like, the phone system knows that, like, 259 blah, 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 blah no, is connected know. to 503? It, and it went through properly. Because at first, because, you know, I, I kind of fell back into 1995 thinking where I had to do other thing. So I just dialed a regular number, no area code. And just as I'm about to, to hit disconnect and dial it correctly with the area code, I realized my phone has added the area code. And it is connecting, and it reached the intended number. So I'm gonna have to try that later and see if that's a thing. I don't know if anybody else's phone does that, but it was it was kind of weird. It makes me think that maybe I don't have to do that step anymore. And if it's all phones, if all cell phones somehow have that miraculous ability, that'd be great because then we can drop this stupid thing of what are you five zero three or nine seven one. So here's Tim Riley. Well, this is an interesting story. After weeks of citizen complaints, police in McMinnville have arrested four members of a door-to-door sales force. Sequana Johnson of Fort Lauderdale, Florida has been booked on theft and forgery charges for legally stealing a prospective customer's checkbook. Derek Tolivar is arrested for selling marijuana in the parking lot of a motel in McMinnville, where 75 employees of the TMB sales company were staying. Two more employees were arrested for ID theft using phony names to obtain health care at a local hospital. In addition to the arrest, authorities in Yanhill County say they've received dozens of complaints from citizens over aggressive sales techniques. People come to your door, knock on the door, and refuse to leave without a sale. Uh, large passenger vans uh, drop off these uh, no-good kids in residential areas, and police say they aren't picked up until they meet their sales quotas. Well, what is it they're selling? Probably magazines, I would imagine. Do, Isn't that what this usually is? Do about? people do that anymore? I suppose so. These kids do. Uh, one McMinnville police detective working on the case said there are two sets of victims, uh, one made up of customers, the other comprised of salespeople. The two arrested for yeah. ID theft reportedly were refused medical care until they told the supervisors they were sick. <laughs> That's America. Still the IDs, but you still can't get medical care. Welcome to the world of sales. You can't go to the hospital until you meet your monthly quota. Get back out there. Uh, the company has been coming to Yamhill County for years, and they claim this is the first time there have been arrests right. for a large volume of complaints. TMB's co-owners said they will not tolerate criminal behavior. The four arrested are responsible for themselves. They're grown people. They make their own decisions, and we don't condone that. Uh, the company made plenty of sales in Yamhill County. Well, all right then. Third prize is you die of Marion Titus. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, I've got the same. I had the same type of issue when I first got my BlackBerry about the whole area code thing. Yeah. And when I first set up my phone and everything, it asked me my area code. Right. And it sets it as a default area code. Ah. So if you do happen to be a retard like myself and not dial the area code, that was me. Oh, well, so I guess we're both retarded. Yes. But uh, and it, so it, it automatically does that for you. It defaulted to 503, but if I had if I had been dialing just the, the regular number, uh, but the area code was 971, it still would have defaulted to 503 and give me the wrong number. Correct. 
All right. What happens if you die? That's a dumb question. Are they, does that mean that every uh, number in Portland has two different versions? In other words, if the number is 222-1011, does that mean there's a 503-222-1011 and a 971-222-1011? Well, when I first got this phone, I kept getting calls for this chick named Jenny. Uh-huh. So, so I finally called the 503 number that, that's the same as mine. And I got a hold of a chick named Jenny, and I said, ah. hey, I think maybe you're writing down 971 because I keep getting your phone call. Interesting. All right, excellent. Like, so, I mean, I don't know. All right, well, no, fair. Okay, so I was giving my credit, my phone, because that BlackBerry is fantastic. It's like one of the best things I've ever owned. And so I was giving the phone. That's how good uh, that BlackBerry is, that I was giving it credit for being some sort of supercomputing phone device that could figure out what the area code was supposed to be. It ranks right up there with the microwave for me, Rick, just like you, buddy. I, which BlackBerry do you have, sir? I have the Curve. Oh uh, yeah, see, and I got that. Uh, I almost went. I ended up going with the uh, the BlackBerry, the World Edition, um, oh, yeah. which is just it's like scary smart, man. I mean, it's it. You you sort of look at the phone sometimes sitting over on like the shelf or on your coffee table or whatever, and I'm sort of convinced that it's thinking and scheming without me. All right. Oh yeah, it's, uh, my phone makes weird noises when it's uh, when it's charging sometimes, mm-hmm. and I, I found out after I called them that it's downloading new data that it receives daily. So. Communicating with the mothership. Exactly what I'm thinking. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks, Rick. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. So that's kind of like an iPhone before the iPhone, uh, the BlackBerry. Now, is this, I can't tell if this is a real question or if this is, are you setting me up to be prodded about how Apple is superior no, to everything I'm else? No, it's an honest question. Well, the iPhone is like the BlackBerry, yes. Okay. That's a, it, the, it's different than the iPhone in that the, uh, the BlackBerry has, uh, the iPhone has that glass screen and no actual buttons. Everything is you touch the screen. Yes. Uh, the BlackBerry has actual uh, regular keys. And I do believe that the main difference is that the iPhone is made for consumer use. The BlackBerry is made more for business use. Um, uh, now, the BlackBerry and BlackBerry t- has actually started to feel, I think, the pressure uh, of the iPhone because that's why they introduced the BlackBerry Pearl and the BlackBerry Curve. Those are meant to be more for uh, just the average regular consumer who just wants a phone and, you know, some text messaging capability and whatever. Um, How do I write to a BlackBerry? What do you mean? Say I wanted to reach your BlackBerry. Yes, you just... Well, it's just... You a message. Well, it's just... Like a, well, uh, the, the, with my BlackBerry, t- and this is... I'm not... This is not a paid plug. I'm just... I have it and I love... By the way, can I tell you, there was this weird, cool-slash-creepy uh, corporate moment the other day where we had the department head meeting, and so we're sitting in there, and, of course, because the thing about having a BlackBerry or anything, Richie might tell you the same thing with the iPhone or really even just a regular cell phone. You know, like Sarah left her phone at home the other day, and she couldn't do anything. She was sitting there, I can't, I, my life is, I can't do anything. And just, you, you know, all your contacts are there. As you know, people trying to send you a text, they're there, trying to call you, it's there. The BlackBerry, with that, I can access um, all my email accounts. So my corporate email account uh my uh, you know my my regular personal email account um i can access the internet from there uh somebody sends me a text message i get it there um if i have to go you know online and check something i can do it there it's my regular phone it's my address book it's my corporate address book um i mean i could everything on earth so the answer to your question is you can actually reach me on blackberry a calling me b sending me a text c sending something to my cbs email address D, sending something to my off-air email address, and it'll all go right to my BlackBerry, which is great. But then, of course, the upshot is 
it is like your soul tether to every single form of communication you have, and you become terrified of not having it with you at some point. If you really just start to freak out, like, if I don't have this, I will not have any way to communicate with anybody. So I'm in the department head meeting, and there's, um, I would say, probably 15 people sitting around the conference table. And, of course, we all bring our Blackberries in, and you set them on the table. And at one point, I was sort of looking around the table, and of the 15 people there, probably... I would say 10 of the people at the table all had exactly the same BlackBerry sitting out on the table in front of them. It was like a weird Orwellian thing where everybody was sitting there. Everybody had two things, a yellow legal pad and ex- and the BlackBerry World Edition. Sitting... So that's a status symbol for today's businessman. Uh, well, and it's the one that CBS recommends that you get, but yeah, it's specifically designed for corporate use. So they are, but yeah, but the iPhone has made such inroads. And the thing about the iPhone is you meet anybody who has an iPhone, and like with all Apple products, no one simply uses or tolerates their iPhone. People who have an iPhone love it. That's the thing with Macintosh, right? Nobody loves a PC, but people love yeah. their Macs. People really love the iPhone, and that's what BlackBerry is trying to get by making this BlackBerry Pearl. Uh, I will say that my, my BlackBerry is fan-freaking-tastic. I mean, it's one of the best things I've ever owned. So, anywho. So if I want to get, like, Pearl the BlackBerry, uh, can I access iTunes? Um, no. well, I don't know. I think that iTunes and the i... Well, but I don't even think with the iPhone you can do that. I think, don't you have to buy that iTouch thing? No, I don't know. I don't Can I just say this? I love Apple. I really do. But it's difficult to tell their products apart sometimes because everything starts with I, and I can't figure out what the hell the product is. What's this? And it's and it's always something really vaguely named. What's this? Well, it's the iConnect. Well, what... I don't know what that is. And they all sort of blend together in this amorphous blur of, like, pastel imagery. Here's Tim Riley. Anyway, the most I can do with my phone is uh, adjust the ringer volume. I, I will. That's all I need. <laughs> That's just a big, just one big. You have one of those, fo- like, have you seen those cell phones they make for old people? The jitterbug. <laughs> That's what it's called. Is that what it's called? The jitterbug. The Lindy Hop. I, I just, those. It just has big numbers on it. <laughs> and a huge button that says, like, on. And then one that says, call. And I do believe on this, uh. I'm trying to remember where I saw this. It was like between two commercials for head-on or something. They were selling this cell phone for old people. Which, and I think it sells to the same woman who buys that product that we advertise here, which the, I don't have a computer. And email seems like the only way anybody, and it's a thing where like people can email you and it like prints out a fax or something at your house. But I was watching late-night TV, and they had that uh, infomercial or that or whatever for that jitterbug phone. And it's a cell phone just for old people. And, yeah, all the numbers are huge. The letters are giant. It's like that It's like that phone they used to sell for fat-fingered people or that comically large remote control you can buy at the as-seen-on-TV store. Um, and I think the send and disconnect buttons on the huge old-person phone, I think one of them actually says call, and I think the other one says hang up. Because otherwise you might not know what the big, like, red X button does. So... And doesn't it sort of make you wonder, like, what the future versions of that are? Like, when I'm 75, what is it that they'll be trying to dumb down so that I can figure it out? You know, like, what magical technological innovation that doesn't even exist now will exist in 25, 50, 60 years? And people, you know, my age and younger will be trying to figure it out. Oh, that is anyway, just it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, I will say that CBS put out kind of a terse email when the iPhone was first released about a year and a half ago, whenever that was. It was like a two-line email saying, CBS Radio will not be supporting the iPhone. You will not be able to access any corporate features on the iPhone. That is all. Like, that's, they sort of preemptively uh, put out a thing saying they weren't going to do that. All right, here's Tim Riley. So anyway, we're talking about this, uh, the Reverend Jeremiah Wright. He was uh, bound to become a new troublemaker, I think. He is the, uh, I guess, the minister 
uh, Barack Obama, and, uh, well, he's quite vocal about a whole bunch of things. He was a keynote speaker at the NAACP dinner in Detroit over the weekend. And we were talking about this little statement a little bit earlier when he was making fun of uh, the Kennedys and particularly people with East Coast accents. And the reason being is the topic of this is people cannot understand black people when they speak sometimes. So is claiming he in, that they don't speak perfect English. So this is he is taking the perception that sometimes, uh, so that he's taking a, a perception of the way that sometimes Black Americans talk, yes. and he is attempting to invert it yes. uh, and use it against JFK. Yes, and the Kennedys, and the Kennedys in and, general, and, and, and people with Boston accents. So, right. so here we go. Uh, here he is at the NAACP dinner in Detroit. John Kennedy could stand at the inauguration in January and say, "He is not." What your country can do for you is rather what you can do for your country. How do you spell is? He's making... Was that like... It's a little pause here. He continues. Nobody ever said to John Kennedy, that's not English. Is. What's is? Only to a black child was it said, you speak bad English. Kennedy got killed. Johnson stepped up to the podium in Love Field. We just left Love Field. And Johnson said, more follow more. Wow. How do you spell follow? <laughs> How do you spell more? Nobody says to Johnson, you speak bad English. Or poor and English. Kennedy, today, those of you in the Congress, Sister Kilpatrick, you know Ed Kennedy today cannot pronounce cluster consonants. Very few people from Boston can. They pronounce P-A-R-K, park, like it's P-O-C-K. Where did you park the cop? <laughs> they pronounce F-O-R-T, fort, like it's F-O-U-G-A-C, fort. We fought a good battle. And nobody says to a Kennedy, you speak bad English. Only to a black child was that said. Linguists knew that 50 years ago, and they also knew, number two, that every language, including the language of Jesus, Aramaic, was made up of five subsets, pragmatics, grammar, syntax, semantics, and phonics, and that Africa... So he's going to continue to be a pain in people's side. Wow. Well, all right. I honestly don't know how to feel about that. I caught myself laughing. I really did. That his LBJ thing was pretty funny. That was. It um, was well done. He. Uh, I. I will say this: that there was there was that great moment where, and a lot of people talked about this today. Whatever anybody thinks about this guy, and whatever kind of a nutcase he may or may not be, there was that moment when somebody said somebody asked him about his patriotism. Um, I got that coming up here. Do you have it? Okay, then I won't spoil it. Let's see. Let's he had a up. great response because he made all the, you know, he said that the goddamn America thing. And so there was a bunch of uh, people asking him about his patriotism and love of country and so forth. Oh, by the way, don't get me started on lingu linguistics. I got this. Th while you're looking for that, let me I just say. Okay. So, so anyway, this is at the uh, National. Okay. So then he moved along to the National Press Club in Washington. Jeremiah Wright says, those who question his patriotism are misguided. I feel that those citizens who say they have never heard my sermons, nor do they know me, they are unfair accusations taken from sound bites and that which is looped over and over again on certain channels. I served six years in the military. Does that make me patriotic? How many years did Cheney serve? Right there. He's that's more, that's more soft-spoken than this one. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty great right there, mm -hmm. that, uh, that little response. By the way, just speaking of uh, linguistics, 
I was going to do this on Friday. Uh, I don't know if I'll do it today. I might put it off. I might not do it at all. I can already tell it's going to be one of those. It, oh, please. It's going to be a thing that I'll have to do at exactly the right moment. I was On Friday, I was going to do this bit called Disproportionate Anger Friday. And it was because a guy sent me this sort of impassioned MySpace plea. Um, he sent like it sent me a MySpace email, and he and it was he's a college student, and he's working toward a I don't know the, the degree in some something or other, uh, and he's but he said that he is having these ongoing battles with his teacher who is correcting his punctuation by telling him not to use the Oxford or serial comma, and. Um, Anyway, so he sent me this thing, and he, you know, he knows that I'm sort of a freak about using the comma correctly. Anyway, so he constant, so he keeps using the serial comma, which is correct, which is what you are supposed to do in most circumstances. And his teacher, who is clearly an idiot, uh, continues to mark his grammar as being incorrect, which it is not. So he asked me of all people uh, to come to his defense and intercede with his teacher on his behalf about his use of the Oxford or serial comma. So I will probably not be doing that today, but we'll do that later on uh, this week. It's the sort of thing I have to temper because I do, as Johnny DeRoche will say, I do become, I do become almost uh, inconceivably angry uh, when people complain about the use of that comma. So we'll talk about that later on. Speaking of language, here's Tim Riley. I got a letter from the listener thinking I'm the news bot. It, it says here. Oh, that hurts. Dear news bot, genius. I just got back from vacation and turned on the radio and heard the news bot for the first time. Funny. You need to insert your personal assessment of the news story. That makes it more than just news. I miss the what the hell did you think would happen comments that you make. Maybe the addition of a female voice to read the news. The news is always delivered more effectively when two people read the same copy. Maybe the news bot can make some sly, uh, misanthropic, stack. Comments directed at the female newsbot, just like the zingers of Ward Nail Junewood on Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> is the newsbot's real name Sven? Is he the same guy who reads the weather on Noah's Weather Radio Channel? <laughs> I'm not sure. We'll have to find out who. So that. he sent that to you. Yay. Okay, Tim. I'm not the newsbot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly. Maybe they think you have reinvented me <laughs> for different hosts of the day. Well, you know what? Can I tell you this? I have one of the other. I had one of the other program directors actually ask me who was playing the part of the newsbot. I did have so, and I would think it would be pretty clear by listening to the newsbot that it is, in fact, not a human voice. It is the voice of a robot. So I thought that that would be sort of obvious. So they either think very little of technology or they think a lot of the acting skills of the people here at CBS Radio because they thought it was somebody playing the part of a newsbot. That person clearly thinks it's you playing the part of a newsbot. And uh, let's see, his return address is Mystery Clown. <laughs> of course it is. By the way, this is just going to feed into those weird Rutger Hauer fantasies that everybody has, Blade Runner style, where you find out secretly at the end of the episode that you are, in fact, a newsbot. It'll be like that Twilight Zone where the woman doesn't realize that she's a store mannequin until the very end. Here's Tim Riley, who is not a newsbot, ladies and gentlemen. It's a real person. So the big rigs uh, slashed through downtown Washington, D.C. The protest, rising gas prices. <laughs> Yes, it was a noisy and wet protest today in the nation's capital. More than 300 trucks slashed their way through downtown Washington in the rain with their horns blaring. <laughs> They're trying to call attention to the rising cost of gas. The organizer was Joy Jefferson Nuri. This is bread and butter. If gas prices keep going up, you and I are going to have a hard time getting our food, our the medicine, all the essentials to our lives. So it was hundreds of trucks. 
That sounds like some sort of weird flatulent orchestra. <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, really, the Thousand Ass Orchestra tunes up for another performance. It sounds like a movie with some rough and tumble kids are all trying to make a band together, and that's the first time they all try to play their instruments. <laughs> with with uh, with Johnny on lead kazoo. All right. Well, there you go. And as we established last week, the, the root cause of all of this is uh, the fact that our uh, nads are in a big stranglehold by oil-producing nations. Is that not true? I thought we were going to settle that when we uh, liberated uh, Iraq from Saddam Hussein. I think we need Hillary because wasn't she the one talking about obliterating the Middle East? Yes. Wasn't she the one who used that phrase? And I will obliterate them. And by the way, let me just say this about Hillary Clinton. You don't doubt that when she says it. Um, It'd be fine if it didn't have any people in it. I mean, well, I, I mean, that's the thing is we just give everybody like a good 30-day notice. That's the thing. We just say, look, anybody here uh, after 30 days is going to be, you all who want to stay and fight, stay and fight. But at the end of 30 days, there's going to be a big house cleaning that happens. So um, did you see that Hillary is uh, challenging Barack Obama now to a, an unmoderated debate? Here in Oregon. Yeah, which would be fantastic, which is just like the whole idea makes me salivate. I mean, it's probably not going to happen. No. Uh, but the idea... Everybody's bored with these debates anyway. Well, but you know what? But that's the thing is that this this debate, this would be the cure for the common debate, Tim, because all the reason people are bored with all the debates mm -hmm. is because what we've had so far are not really debates. They call them debates, but they're not. It's a very, very structured Q&A session with some moderator making sure that nothing interesting really happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, an actual Lincoln-Douglas debate, as Lincoln and Douglas actually did, where it's just Hillary and Barack and two hours with no moderator, where they just, um, they just talk to each other and at each other and just go at each other for two hours uninterrupted. That would be fantastic, and everybody would watch it, and you might actually get some substance out of it. Um, I would certainly watch it if for no other reason than it pains the high school debater in me every time they refer to these moderated sessions as being a debate, uh, which which they are not. Uh, the the reason that Barack will never do it though is because he knows that Hillary would shred him. <laughs> Hillary would, would would destroy him in an un unmoderated debate. That kitty's really got the claws out now anyway. Oh, oh well, that's and that's the thing is like, however, and it has nothing to do with knowledge, intelligence, who's better to be fit for president. It has nothing to do with their positions. It's just that Hillary is like a ball buster. I mean, that she would just devastate that guy because Barack, you know, all the tones of his personality are sort of. Calm, cool, collected, uh, you know, unflappable. You know, he's just got a he's got a very sort of, um, you know, uh, just a very easygoing style. Whereas Hillary will just go right for your knees and she will kick you and get until you're down and keep kicking you uh, uh, until you are dust. Uh, and he would just come off like a massive pussy if he were to debate with her. And I think he knows that, which is uh, which is why he's not going to do it. Uh, let's see. What is this call about before we... Oh, Jesus, we got a break. Let's take a mystery call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, um, that honking sound there sounded a lot like Kenny found the brown noise. Can we, uh, do we have the honking sound again, Tim? <laughs> Excellent. All right, thank, thank you, sir. You. Bye now. All right, take a break. Back after this. It's 503-733-2970. It is the... Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. We uh, return around the corner.
Anderson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, we'll talk to senior radio correspondent Dick Giuliano. Uh, what else? Peter Carlin joining us uh, from the Oregonian later on today. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Rick Emerson Listener Party 11 happening Thursday, May 15th, uh, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom. And we've got another installment of uh, It's the Worst Song uh, You've Ever Heard. Uh, it is the worst song you've ever heard. Oh, let me just uh, I'm gonna take a moment to finish this cup of coffee, which gives me an opportunity to... Uh... Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. I like that version. It was yeah, very dramatic. Yeah, the listener sent that to me this morning, yeah. Uh, Modesto police are blaming the scratching of a cat on the woman's lap for an accident that toppled a power pole and shut down power in the city for about an hour this morning. The woman was driving with her cat in her lap, and the cat scratched her. Then she drove into a pole. The woman suffered minor injuries and was taken to the hospital. The cat was taken to the vet to be treated by an injured eye, but it's in good shape. Uh-oh. Ants are going to be out in full force this year. Just another thing to drive you crazy. Uh, apparently, uh, it's good to uh, try to keep ants out of your home. Inspect the perimeter of your house for any cracks, because that's how ants will get in if uh, you're not careful. Clear away some debris that might be laying around. If there's some, some wood flying right up against the house, cut back the trees that are right up against the house. You don't want to just get them direct access. And if you see a crack somewhere... Take a hawk with you and try to seal that seal that crack up. All right. Okay. <laughs> can you can you play it one more time? Of course. We want this information to sink in. You always want to make sure that your cracks are sealed. Keep the answer. Clear away some debris that might be laying around. If there's some some wood flying right up against the house, cut back the trees that are right up against the house. You don't want to just give them direct access. And if you see a crack somewhere, take a hawk with you and try to seal that seal that crack up. <laughs> I think that's wow. good advice, don't you? Well, no, it's uh, that is that is fantastic advice. It is, you know. I Richie, a lot of ants in uh, my house. Tim, what is the name of that cut? The name of that cut is STL Clark Two dot wave. Clark two. Right. Clark two. Let's uh just take a look at day one, shall we? All right, let me uh let's see here. <laughs> Because you, what you want to do yes. is, I should make sure that I have this absolutely correct. I, let's see, STL Clark 2. Uh, for people who don't know, all of our sound bites are on a, a, a network computer drive, which is massive. I mean, really, I'm looking here, there are 1,574 news cuts uh, right now. I mean, there's just they're, they're, they're tons and tons and tons of stuff. So i got to make sure that I, uh, I'm pulling the right one. Let's see here and put this on my... Uh, Put this on my desktop. All right, let me load that and uh, make sure that I have uh, that I have the right soundbite uh, set set aside for you know for posterity and 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 you know and, and for use whenever we might uh, need something about the. Clear away some debris that might be laying around. If there's some some wood flying right up against the house, cut back the trees that are right up against the house. You don't want to just give them direct access. And if you see a crack somewhere, 
talk with you and try to seal that seal that crack up. That is always good advice. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what profound uh, recommendations these are that we're giving you. Fantastic. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, Lacey will, will be pleased that you added that to our public service announcement. Okay, I'm gonna, let, me write, let me play it one more time. I'm going to get the actual Clear away some debris that might be laying around. If there's some, some wood flying right up against the house, cut back the trees that are right up against the house. You don't want to just give them direct access. No. And if you see a crack somewhere, take a hawk with you and try to seal that, seal that crack. All right. If you see a crack somewhere, mm-hmm. take some caulk with you and try to seal that crack up. This is becoming like HGTV here. No, it really is. These are, you know, Ed Begley Jr. would approve. Mm-hmm. All right. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile, Miley Cyrus is so embarrassed over her photos. Just a week after some overly candid photos of Miley Cyrus hit the internets, including one of her flashing a hint of a green bra. A less formal but equally teasing pose has kicked off a PR controversy. Uh, the family-friendly Hannah Montana Phenon, or Phenomenon, whatever she is, is 15. She tried to distance herself from a photo. How can she if it's her? A vanity prayer that uh, features her clutching a silk sheet to her chest. First of all, can I just her weigh in? Her back exposed. Let me just say something here. This is not about the, the Hannah, Mo- whatever. What's her real name? Miley Cyrus? Yeah. This is not about the Miley Cyrus photos, uh, because that would be weird. But this story does sort of highlight something that continually irritates me. Uh, because we're subjected to this like twice a year. Her parents and minders were on the set all day. I have minders. Um... Can I just say this? This is to Vanity Fair and to Vogue or to whoever it is that always seems to be doing these things. You cannot advertise something as being nude or semi-nude if I can't see anything. If I can't see anything, it's not a nude photo. Didn't they have that with Scarlett Johansson last year? Scarlett Johansson is raising eyebrows by posing nude on the cover of Vanity Fair. If I cannot see something that is typically covered by a swimsuit, it's not a nude photograph. I don't care how much, how, how many clothes are laying on the floor and how little clothing she's actually wearing. Her grandmother and teacher were there when they shot it. Well, well, of course, Tim. Why, why not? Hey, Miley Cyrus is going to post topless. Get grandma. They know this is a learning moment for Miley. What is she learning exactly, do you suppose? How to be a good Disney girl. So... Uh, the interesting thing about this, so if you don't know what we're talking about, so these, it's because it's hard to keep track. So as we were saying earlier, there's the three sets of photographs. There's one where she's pulling down her shirt and showing off her bra. Mm-hmm. Then there is this one where she's, they claim, you know, semi-new, but she's topless, but she has her back to the camera. And there's on the cover of Vanity Fair, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's this other one that is like her and her dad. And this is from Cowboys and Indians magazines. Do I, do I have that right? I don't even know what Cowboys and Indian magazine magazines. And it's a, for the aficionado of such things. <laughs> of Indians, for the for the Indian <laughs> for, connoisseur for both together, <laughs> for the Indian enthusiast in all of us. Uh, so, Billy Ray Cyrus and Miley Cyrus are posing together in Cowboys and Indians magazine. So we'll just take these one at a time. The one of the the, the the shots that came out of her la- and don't you sense by the way that if these photographs have come out like the candid ones of her showing her bra and. The, the one of her with her dad, and the one of, I mean, imagine the photographs the PR people have been able to, able to keep under wraps. I mean, she does sort of seem like a compulsive exhibitionist at this point. She seems like a bad girl trying to get out, and the publicists are doing everything they can uh, to sort of to keep everything under wraps because they know that that's just a gold mine that they don't want to dry up because they've marketed her as an example of godliness to parents. Um, so, the interesting thing about the Vanity Fair photo of her though is that she put out a press release on Friday 
saying that she was really proud of it, saying, no, 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 Annie Leibovitz took this great shot, and I'm proud of it, and I have no problem with it. And apparently somebody saw that and went ballistic because the next press release from her was the one saying that she was embarrassed. I feel so embarrassed. Right. I never intended for any of this to happen, and I apologize to my fans who I care so deeply about. Which is exactly what she did not say the first time. Her first her first press release about it, she said that she loved the photographs, she didn't see anything wrong with them, and she thought they were great. And obviously somebody got her in a room and gave her a good talking to and gave her the party line because then she completely reversed her position in the next in the next thing. So that tells you right there kind of the, the sort of internal workings of the Miley Cyrus camp, that there's what Miley Cyrus wants and then there's what her PR people and probably father want. Which brings us to this other photograph. And so have you posted this anywhere? Is this on your blog? No, I don't know. I'm just not as shocked by it as everybody else is. I'm not shocked by it, but I find it creepy. I mean, I, I just, just because I see the fireplace and I don't think that they're touching each other's asses. It just seems like they're leaning. The fireplace. Isn't there a fireplace or something? No, no, it's just them. It's like them out. They're they're clearly outdoors because you can see like at a ranch tree. Yeah, it's like yeah, you can see sort of wild wilderness sort of off in the right hand side of the frame. But they're on some sort of photo backdrop, like you said, on at Sears. Right. Um, they're looking for Indians. But here's my thing: if you didn't, here's why it's creepy. If you did not know they were father and daughter and you saw this photograph, what would you think? I mean, look at the photograph and take out of your mind the idea that you know that they're father and daughter. If you just sort of saw this and I said, hey, look at these two people, what do you think their relationship is? I'm trying to find the photo again. I don't know where it is. I can send it to you if you want. Okay. Let me send it to you. I have it in my inbox. I will. Uh, I'll send it to you right now. So, well, hold on a second. And then I will uh, I'll post it on my blog, actually. Uh, let's see. All right, so I, I just sent it to you. Okay. So if you saw this and had no idea of what their relationship is, and for those who, who aren't able to see it, if you haven't seen this, I'll, we'll post it later on. Oh, I haven't seen that one. What? Okay, what, I don't oh. know which one. See, that's what I'm saying. Okay, about. no, 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 I haven't seen which this Which photo one. were you talking about? I'm just talking about the one of them on the cover of Cowboys and Oh, Indians. no, 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 no. I'm, this is, this is, uh, is that not where that's this is from? creepy. Well, then where is this photo from? I know I that we're, know. we're sitting here talking about photographs on the air. No, so, I'll definitely put this on my blog right now. So you have right to now. post this. Yeah. So Sarah will put this at sarahxdillon.com. This is the photo I'm talking That's about. That's wrong. It is. Here's what it is. It's it's Billy Ray Cyrus in jeans and what looks like a vest with no shirt underneath it. So he's, you know, uh, his his rippling biceps are exposed. And Miley Cyrus is wearing low-rise jeans and I don't know what kind of shirt that is, but her, it's like the, you know, like her stomach you, is, is exposed or whatever. You, like a midriff. Yeah, it's like a, yeah her, exactly. Her midriff is exposed. And she is laying, I think, in my opinion, as, an, as, as a pundit and just simply as an observationalist, she is draped across her father's uh, groin in what I would say is a seductive pose. Maybe she's being punished. <laughs> Because she's been a bad girl. Yes. And they are holding hands. And in my opinion, my constitutionally protected opinion, and I'm simply saying this from an aesthetic point of view, I do believe that this is a sexualized photograph of Miley Cyrus. I think we can say that. I think she is being photographed here in a way that is uh, meant to highlight perhaps her physical attractiveness. All right, it's up. 
If you did not know that that was a father and daughter duo, what would you think? No, no, that's a couple picture. Yeah, that is that is not only a couple picture. And again, They're I'm, both showing too much skin. And, it's very sexual. And I and I just it just makes me feel weird. I mean, it just it does. I and again, I'm in no way implying that anything untoward is happening. I'm just saying if you didn't know who they were and you saw this photograph, you'd think they were lovers. That's all they I'm look saying. Like lovers. That's what this photograph. Okay, so I'm glad we're on the same page. I didn't know you were looking at a different photo. You can see this at sarahxdillon.com, by the way. You go to sarahxdillon.com, you can see this. And it's just, uh, I find the whole thing, and I know that that is her hand on her hip right there, but it doesn't look like her hand, by the way. That looks like he's got his hand on her ass. So it's just the whole thing. It really thing does. Is, that looks really wrong. It's weird. It's just, it's a weird picture. So. Well, I think it's a uh, hard time to call in the uh, psychologist, uh, Dr. Vanessa Williams, uh, Do- Vanessa Jensen, rather, of the Cleveland Clinic to try to help us out with this. It's always concerning when we see the models that we think of as our kids' role models who come across as sort of the pop, fun, wonderful, but also kind of innocent, and we see that maybe they aren't so innocent anymore. It's obviously probably more distressing for us as parents, uh, but it's also often distressing for the kids who have an idea of who these characters are and they think that's who they really are. And let me just say for the record, I don't really care about Miley Cyrus or her mental state or whether she's innocent or not. It doesn't really matter to me. Like, in a strange way, the thing about her, the picture of her, like, pulling down her shirt and showing off her bra or whatever, you know, like, I actually find that sort of less creepy because, whatever, teenagers do weird stuff. And teenagers, you know, take, you know, it's a stressful time. Yeah, I think time. exposing yourself as a teenager is a lot less creepy than, um than a picture that looks kind of incesty. That's what I'm saying. You know, Te- teenagers do boobs, all kinds of incest, weird stuff. Incest is a little bit. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the idea that you might take a revealing photograph or you might take a photograph that you think is funny where you're pulling up your shirt or whatever. I mean, you know, people. Not it's not just kids. People of all ages do all kinds of weird things and get photographs taken at the spur of the moment that maybe they wouldn't. Uh, you know, things they wouldn't do if they really thought about it. This is like a, a, a posed. Very constructed photograph, though. And the the weird part to me is that clearly her dad was in on it. Like, dad's right there in the photograph. Hey, he, Billy Ray, here, here we go. Put on this vest, show off a lot of skin, and what we're going to do is we're going to have your daughter look all tarted up, and we're going to have her draped across your pelvis. What do you think about that? That's a fine idea. Let me let me sit down right now. It's just, it's all I just know that I, I have a good relationship with my father, and I would never, ever pose with him in a picture like that. That's because you don't have an unusually close relationship, Sarah. Yeah, can you imagine if your dad asked you to pose that? Sarah, I'd like you to show your midriff, and then I'm going to put on a, a vest, and I want you to like drape yourself across oh, my crotch. Even, no. I mean, that's what I mean. You, like, even think about it, it makes happen. you feel weird. So I'm not saying there's anything improper happening there. I'm just saying to the untrained eye, that's how it looks on KCMD Portland. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, Rick, what's the difference between white trash and hillbillies? Is this a joke? Well, the question is, because Billy Ray Cyrus narrated a, a documentary on History Channel not long ago about the history of hillbillies, and maybe this is just a continuation of the same thought line. I mean, I will say that this photograph does seem like an updated version of uh, many, many, many southern stereotypes to which we've been exposed over the years. I will say that, sir. Could be. All right, thank you. Ever. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about Howard Dean for a while. Uh, He hopes the party's presidential nominee will be chosen by the end of June. He was on Meet the Press. He said the choice between Hillary and Barack Obama must be made before the Democratic convention in late August. The truth is we need to figure this out before the convention. We need time to heal. 
And actually, I'm not the most important person in terms of bringing the party together. The most important person is the, is the person who doesn't win the nomination. There's going to be some feeling at some point uh, in, in the, after these last few weeks that one of these candidates is more likely to win than the other. And I think that's who's going to get the nomination. I can't tell you who that is. I have no idea who it is. But that's what's going to happen. You know, if somebody asked me the other day, they said, what are the superdelegates, as though I know, they say, what are the superdelegates waiting for? Rick Emerson, political pundit, uh, you know, like because they agree, Hillary and Barack agree on so many issues, and there really is so little difference between them in many ways. They say, well, what could the superdelegates possibly be waiting to find out that they didn't already know, that they didn't know after Iowa, that they didn't know after New Hampshire, they didn't know after Pennsylvania, they didn't know after, you know, whatever. Uh, and Chris what was Neven, your answer? Well, I didn't have an answer, but Chris Neven really uh, nailed it for me. Chris Neven laid it out in a way that makes perfect sense. He just noted that the reason superdelegates won't come out vocally against Hillary Clinton right now is because she still does have, even though it's a slight chance, she has a chance of winning. And they know that if they come out against Hillary Clinton and she somehow makes her way into the White House, she will come back and kill everyone who opposed her. Yes. She will come. I mean, the Clintons have a long memory. The Clintons will come back and she will, she will return with a scythe and she will behead everyone who stood in her way. And I mean, that's that that's that's. And that answer will be falling from balconies. Oh, no, it's uh, I mean, it, 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 every single score will be settled. So that's why nobody will come out against Hillary, because as long as she's got a shot, they are terrified to uh, to become an enemy of her because the Clintons will they will destroy you. Now, here's Tim Riley. So Barack Obama goes on uh, Fox News Sunday yesterday. If I fit the bill, then they will vote for me. If I lose, it won't be because of race. It will be because, you know, I uh, made mistakes on the campaign trail. I wasn't. Uh, communicating uh, uh, effectively. Uh, by the way, I picked up the copy of the Inquirer that has the uh, Barack oh, Obama cover. It was less gripping than I thought it would be. It was a lot more interesting to see the photographs of Drew Barrymore drunk out of her mind on about page uh, 15 or so. <laughs> oh, the I love that lady. Friends fear she'll end up in rehab yet again. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hey. Uh, I was wondering if you guys were going to be recording like your uh, the listener party or the roast. How do you mean? Do you, as in filming it or recording it for broadcast? Um, just so those of us who aren't there can see the roast. Uh, that will. Uh, why are you not going to be there? Uh, because I'm 20. Oh, and no. I'm in trouble if I win. Um, no, sadly we will not be uh, we will not be taping nor filming uh, Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. Uh, it, usually we do we roll some audio. We have some sort of highlights that are played back the next day. Uh, that's not going to be the case with this one because it is sort of a different style of event. It's uh, going to be a little bit different uh, than the last. A uh, few parties we've had, and the roast is going to be the centerpiece, but that is not going to be taped. So uh, I hate to break it to you, but if, you, if you're not able to be there uh, for this listener party, if you're not able to be there in person, uh, you're not going to get to experience it. So that's a, that's a sad truth, my friend. Okay. When do you turn 21? Uh, next February. Uh, well, so you'll be able to make it to the next one. But unfortunately uh, uh, for you, yeah, this is, uh, this is one you'll just have to hear about in uh, legend and myth, sir. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you. All right, there you go. Part of growing up, I suppose. <sighs> Learning to deal with disappointment and loss. <laughs> the word of ambitions and dreams, Tim. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, so the president brought lots of laughs as he hosted the last White House Correspondents' Dinner over the weekend. During his monologue, he poked fun at everyone. He noticed that uh, John McCain was uh, not present in the dining hall. Senator McCain's not here. He probably wanted to distance himself from me a little bit. <laughs> you know, he's not alone. Jenna's moving out, too. Uh, well, it was a big weekend in the Big Apple for Mariah Carey. Not only was the Empire State Building lit up in her honor, 
She also premiered her new movie, Tennessee, at New York's Tribeca Film Festival. The flick follows two brothers on a road trip to their hometown to find their estranged father. Uh, Carrie, who plays a spirited woman, they encounter along the way, said she is glad to have been part of that film. I feel that those citizens who say that have never heard my sermons, nor do they that know me. That is really wrong. Accusations really taken wrong. from sound bites and that which is looped over and over again on certain channels. I served six years in the military. Does that make me patriotic? How many years did Cheney serve? Clear away some debris that might be laying around. If there's some, some wood flying right up against the house, cut back the trees that are right up against the house. You don't want to just give them direct access. And if you see a crack somewhere, take a hawk with you and try to seal that, seal that crack up. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, something happened there, and okay. these things do happen. Uh, so this is a good time to, tra- uh, to talk about a couple of things. That guy uh, had a question about Rick Emerson Listener Party 2008. Uh, that is happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom, uh, featuring the Rick Emerson Roast, Roastmaster Carl Click, uh, roasters to include Peter Carl and Finney Oregonian, Byron Beck from the Willamette, Storm Large, Sarah X. Dillon, uh, Aaron Duran, and Scott Daly. Uh, let's see, and, and uh, what else? Uh, Nickel Arcade going to be performing. Uh, Emerson Starship, who are going to be doing sort of music throughout the evening, and I want to give all the surprises away, but they're going to be doing something different than they have usually done throughout the party, and then they're going to be doing a rock set at the end uh, of the party. And I think I can say this. I won't give away the actual set list, but Emerson Starship at the end of the party at around 10 p.m. is going to do their regular rock set, except it's going to be uh, largely comprised of songs from the show. So rock songs that you hear on this program maybe is watch themes or songs that you hear us play a lot as bumper music or songs that we kind of have taken a shine to over the years and that we play a lot on the air. Uh, their set is going to consist of that. So Emerson Starship will be there doing uh, something sort of different during the party, and then at 10 p.m. it's going to be a set of rock songs from the Rick Emerson show. Um, we also... and. And I don't really know how we would do this. We had sort of floated the idea of having a of giving away a chance for a listener to be a guest roaster. And it, it was one of those things that seemed like a really good idea uh, when I was thinking about it earlier. But now I have no idea how we would actually do that. Yeah, for the record, I still haven't written my roast. Oh, that's okay. I, like, as the days tick by, I'm like, oh, I have all these fantastic ideas, none of which I'm putting down on paper. You know, the best work is that which is done at the last minute, Sarah. That's a that's I a thought you and Storm were, were uh, writing things the other night. I thought you were going to get drunk and write the roast last Wednesday. Or did you just get drunk and watch that suicide movie? It's true. That was, <laughs> a, that was a poor use of your time. What are you eating? Bloody cake. Yes, sir. Wagner's mom, I guess, made cake. It is really good. That does look good. Why is it so red? Is it like some sort of a fruit-flavored cake? Yeah, it's like it tastes like a strawberry shortcake, raspberry oh. kind of thing. Uh, so we should say that uh, the listener party is coming up in less than three weeks, and, yeah, it's not going to be taped, it's not going to be filmed, it's not going to be uh, rolling audio on it. Not, so there, there will be no record of this at all. So if you don't uh, see it in person, you're not going to see it. Uh, no ticket, no cover, no anything. Just bring your ID and be there Thursday, uh, May 15th. But we had floated this idea of having a listener win some sort of a contest to do, like, three, four minutes as a guest roaster. And I, I'm just unclear about the mechanics of how to do that on KCMD Portland, um, the, the logistics of it. So the only thing I was really able to come up with was the idea of, like, over a couple of days later on this week, doing a series of, like, three- or four-minute blocks on the air where we just sort of do open phones, almost like an open mic thing, uh, but on the air here on the show 
where people would have like 60 seconds to wow us with their comedic stylings. Uh, and then if somebody really stood out, then we would give them a shot at being a guest roaster. It seems like a thing that could really go staggeringly wrong, though. So just yeah. because of that alone, I almost might have to give it a try. And then if, if everybody sucks, we just won't pick it. If there's nobody good, then we'll just plunge on ahead without them. So um, and pretend it never happens. And that's no, and we will uh, we will expunge it from our history. So be thinking about that. We may do that uh, later on in the week. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a religious nutcase watch. Here's your religious nutcase watch from Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, very quickly, and then we'll uh, be joined by Dick Giuliano in just one moment. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Jacksonville, Florida police say a father has been arrested for allegedly fighting with his teenage daughters after one of them refused to pray. Alonzo Burke told investigators he began uh, pushing and hitting the 18-year-old daughter while he was driving her to school in the morning because she refused his instructions to play. Jacksonville television station WJXT, where Richard then works, uh, claimed the father uh, asked the occupants of the car to begin to pray, and the daughter said she didn't want to. He said the 18-year-old daughter uh, returned the violence by punching him in the face. Burke said he pulled the car over into a convenience store parking lot where his 16-year-old daughter joined in the brawl and grabbed him from behind when he was chasing his elder daughter. Uh, he told police he accidentally hit the 16-year-old while his hands were on his face. <laughs> He's been charged with domestic battery. He's been released on bond. There you go. There's your uh, religious case watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent Dick Uliano. Hello, Amen, sir. Amen, brother. How, Amen. <laughs> how, how are you today, my friend? How's life? I'm doing great. Everything's everything's really cool. I was just doing a few exercises here. I had a few minutes before I went on. I said, "Well, geez, I can get my push-ups and sit-ups." And I was going to say, do you have like a chin-up bar in the press room or something? No, there? just a, just a couple of you know, down on the ground and give me ten. You know. Here's, I have a, a question about about this uh, whole business with Jeremiah Wright. Leaving aside. Uh, his observations and the veracity of any of his comments. I, I guess I sort of assume that in American politics, when a figure like this emerges, that at some point uh, the campaign with which he's associated sort of reaches out to him and says, look, why don't you go yeah, take yeah, a yeah. long vacation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you go to Tahiti for a few months and come back next year? And yet he sort of seems to be out there uh, kind of uh, off the tether, as it were. I Listen, I think you're uh, you're hitting the nail on the head. I have to believe that the Obama campaign has been talking to him last week, the week before, and all weekend long, would he please sit down and be quiet? <laughs> uh, no, I'm certain of this, uh, Rick. This, this stuff is, is really harmful to the Obama campaign, or it can be harmful, let me put it that way. And it's not helpful, and I'm certain that they would uh, prefer if uh, the Reverend Jeremiah Wright would sort of fade away. But he's not, and he was asked that today. Why, why have you just decided to speak up? And what he said is this. He said, look, I'm going to still be a pastor on November 5th. Somebody's going to be president and so forth. I'll still be a pastor. And he needs to defend himself. That's what he said. He's doing it for his mother. 
He's doing it for black churches. He's doing it for the you know the good old time religion. And it, it is interesting that I that I think it was. Um, there were some senatorial uh, in North Carolina, some senatorial uh, campaign ads that were running, I guess, last week, two weeks ago. The GOP was running, and it, it had nothing really to do with Barack Obama, but they were doing this sort of three degrees of separation thing you know, where you know. they managed to bring Jeremiah Wright in. And so yeah. it is. it does seem like he's going to be providing news content uh, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to journalists and pundits for some time to come. He was, can, I, can I tell you the way I'm trying? I'm sort of thinking about this yeah. Jeremiah Wright thing. Uh, and not to date myself, but thinking back to Jimmy Carter, he had a problem with his brother Billy. Yeah. And brother Billy was making news, and this was could be harmful to the president of the United States. Um, my thinking is, is he a brother Billy where he's going to be kind of a nuisance, or is he going to be almost like a Ross Perot figure in 1992 who, as a third candidate, really made a difference you know, in the outcome of the election, took enough votes away from George Herbert Walker Bush right. that Bill Clinton won. Where it becomes sort of a reverse kingmaker. Exactly. I in other words, can he really damage the Obama campaign in the fall? I don't think he can He can knock him off the track from getting the nomination from Hillary Clinton. But you got to believe, I mean, I'm checking my, you know, listening to these speeches, particularly the one today, the National Press Club. I'm thinking to myself, is this guy working for the McCain campaign or well, what? Especially there was that whole, uh, I don't know, I guess sort of, uh, sort of weirdly amusing yet awkward moment where he was imitating first JFK and then oh, LBJ. God. And, I mean, I guess he was sort of trying to make some observation about the perceptions of different cultures or the linguistics of different uh, groups in society. But it really came off as kind of cringe-inducing in some way, especially, again, if you're a guy who's running for the highest office in the land and really wants to be seen as a uniter. Exactly. Exactly. This is the Detroit speech he gave last night. His the point that he was making is valid. He was saying that we all need to come together. But to get to that point, what he did was... He decided that he would enumerate all the differences between blacks and whites in their music, in their speech. And then he began to mock some white speech, including mocking the former president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. <laughs> I don't think the Democrats are going to do, be too pleased with that. No, and, and I, I really will say for a huge swath of American culture, uh, mocking JFK is really not the way to warm the hearts of many people, in, 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 <laughs> including, by the way, uh, the news director here uh, at the station who uh, hails from that part of the country and was uh, perhaps not necessarily amused, let's say, by those comments. So um, I, I will say say this i will give you props for the for the billy carter reference uh and, and to say that i think really the tipping point for billy carter and his association came not necessarily with his public persona in general uh it, i think anytime though that you have a brand of beer that is coming yeah. out with your name on it that maybe right. does not bode well for your for your <laughs> brother's career <laughs> that you've made too much news now listen the good news for obama is this the last time when, when this first erupted he got past it, and national polls indicated it, there wasn't much damage. But as you, in your questioning, have indicated, the problem for Obama is the man won't go away. Yeah. It, uh, it is, uh, it's one of those things that, I, as I told Lisa Desjardins a while back, I'm, I'm sort of already in my head looking forward to 2009 when I can start to see the sort of books that are written about this, yeah, yeah. you know, this the, the sort of insider uh, scoop on how this campaign, I mean, I can't, at this point, it really is like such a well-crafted miniseries that I cannot it, even imagine. Know, hey, yeah, listen, you're, you're, you're striking a responsive chord with me, because I've seen some presidential campaigns in the past. And I've seen some in my 30 years in Washington, but I have never seen anything like this. 
I mean, starting with the Bush administration, which, you know, things were done that I had not seen before in Washington, uh, mistakes, errors, uh, this sort of thing, miscommunications. And it seemed to lead, of course, to the fact that his vice president decided not even to seek the office, right. so the biggest wide-open field ever. And it sort of begat these candidates who, you know, Barack Obama uh, challenging Hillary Clinton, who was thought to, to breeze to this thing. Yeah. And now that candidate seems to be challenged by his own missteps and his associations. You wonder where it's leading. Does this mean President McCain? I mean, one month you think it's going to be President Obama, and the next month you think, well, I guess it's going to be President McCain. You don't know what's going to happen. I, I will say it is just such a, an almost a, a Aristotelian confluence of events that it just staggers. It, 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 it really it is a mixture of, of good, terrible, and just plain astounding uh, that makes yeah. this such a wonderful republic to live in. So I love those words, though. Well, it's what I do. All right. My friend, uh, I'll let you get back to your. I'll let you get back to your crunches. I'm done with those, buddy. <laughs> All right, CNN Radio Correspondent Dick Uliano. Thank you, my friend. Take care. All right, there you go. All right, excellent. I love that guy, Jeffrey Dama. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, have you, has anybody seen at PerezHilton.com the video? I have the video up of the Billy Ray Cyrus, Miley Cyrus photo shoot. No. It is so. I would draw your attention to the 42nd mark. Did you see it? Yeah, I have it posted on There's, the blog. Uh, go now to Sarah's blog. You can see this video uh, of the Miley Cyrus, Billy Ray Cyrus photo shoot. Uh, there are no it's, words. It's unnerving. And again, keep it, I, I'm no prude. I'm not passing judgment on anything. I'm just saying. I have to say I pass judgment on. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even alleging that. Oh, my that. God. You're just what saying. What is wrong with me? You're saying the photograph does, uh, the video shows them. Being uncomfortably close. Yeah, the video, and it's just all this obnoxious music. I would say that this uh, video, I mean, the photographs are sort of awkward enough. If you watch, if you go to Sarah's blog, and you can see this video of the photo shoot that Billy Ray Cyrus and his 15-year-old daughter did, there's a moment at around 38 seconds in. I'm looking at it right here, where she is... It's so awkward to talk about this, and I'm sorry, Tim, that this is running rampant over it. You'd think I just... I'm watching it, too. It's what people are talking about. I... You'll have to help me here, sir, and figure out what's appropriate or not, because I know she's 15, so I don't mean to be sounding lascivious about a 15... I'm really not. You know? I, oh, I don't... he's stroking your hair. I don't... Okay, it is... I don't wish for it to sound as though I'm being prurient about a young girl. It's really not about that, but would you agree... That they're like about 37 seconds in, and again, you can see this at SarahXDillon.com. She is either giving him of her own volition or is being told to give him what I would objectively call a come hither yes. stare and a yes. batting of the eyes. Batting of the eyes, stroking there. Okay, I'm getting to that part right now. All right, there they are. They're getting all nestled together. It's at the 37 second mark. He's touching her leg. And now she's looking up and giving him, like, sex eyes. It is creepy. And then he brushes her hair out of her and face then at, and kisses and her. And then at 40, yeah, the, I mean, and it's, oh, I I find it off-putting. I really do. I think I need counseling. <laughs> uh, you're not the only one, Tim. There's some of that needed. Uh, and now she has household. her head on his lap. Yeah, that's what <gasps> I'm saying. And I mean, it's just, and I know, and here's the thing. And again, I'm not trying to sound like I'm some arbiter of what's right and what's whatever. I don't have any kids. But look, she's 15. She's, I mean, say it, she's in puberty. She's an adolescent, whatever. So 
Uh, you understand that once you get to be 13, 14, 15, you know, uh, teenagers of both genders, you know, they, uh, you know, they want to look adult. And I know it sounds like I'm condescending and talking down to kids. I don't mean it that way. But, you know, when you're a teenager, you start to be conscious of not wanting to look like a little kid. You want to sort of embrace the fact that you are becoming a young adult. So it's, but it's like her dad is there who's like, what, 40, 45, however old he is. Oh, at least. To use the cliche, he is, I would think, old enough to know better. And, I mean, he's no fool. And clearly the other thing is I have no problem with Miley Cyrus wanting to be photographed looking I mean, I know it's probably the wrong word to use, but if she wants to be photographed looking sexy, whatever. That's fine. She's a young woman. She can make those decisions. Uh, but clearly, everybody who is doing this photo shoot must know that it looks like a strangely sexual setup with her and her dad in this photo. Mm -hmm. They must know that it looks sexual. And the fact that they're kind of like, no, 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 go for it. It looks fine. I mean, if I can tell, if I can see it, looking here on this tiny screen at PerezHilton.com, clearly the Vanity Fair people who are like five feet away can see what it looks like. So, I mean, whatever. Anyway, there you go. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. I don't know what else to say. It's just strange. It really is. You can see it at SarahXDillon.com. You'll see what we're talking about, by the way. So, Perhaps we need uh, more counseling from the uh, Cleveland Clinic. <laughs> nope. Pop me up. There. Nope. You know, boy, that's not a decision I think I would like you to make when you're 15 uh, and help kids understand why maybe she kind of gets pulled into that as a 15-year-old. And it's, it's pretty seductive, like the money and the movies and the cameras, and, but it's not necessarily real life for most kids. All right. Well, it's just, and I mean... Not necessarily. It isn't real life for most kids. And, uh, oh, by the way... Well, they're not trying hard enough. Just, uh, by the way, this is a brief political note. Uh, Rick, at last night's Oregon Democratic uh, Senate debate, the Oregonian, Oregonian officially backed the one-hooked midget. So there you go. So there Good you go. The Oregonian has come out in favor of the hook. Good. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A uh, robber who shot a 50-year-old uh, Florida woman during a weekend home invasion made off with just one dollar. Mm-mm. Uh, she has uh, thigh and elbow injuries. According to the rest report, the woman and uh, two men told investigators that a man with a gun kicked open the door and demanded all the money she had. She gave it to him. She had a dollar. Please tell me that the headline is crime doesn't pay. Florida woman shot for a dollar. Oh, come on. Really? Mm -hmm. Fine, whatever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yeah, I just had a question. Does anybody know, is there a Mrs. Billy Ray Cyrus? Oh, I think we know who Mrs. Billy Ray Cyrus is. <laughs> but is there a mother involved here? Oh. Where is she? I, mean, I don't know. That's a good question. Anybody know? No. I mean, clearly, they're, I think they're busted up. But I don't really. But then again, I'm saying that I don't really know. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's a little inappropriate. I mean, I just wondered. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the situation is, and I, and I don't. And I don't really know if that would make it better or worse. Uh, but I do believe that he is a single father. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank, so. thank you very much. Thank you. He All was right. born in 1961. Wait. So he is 47. All right. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking up uh, more information about his uh, ex-wives, right. if they're indeed any. Uh, don't let me forget. Later on this hour, we're going to play this terrible campaign song. Uh, we've got the Peter Carlin coming up later on, top five, uh, and so forth. Here's Tim Riley. I'm still looking here. Marriage and children. He was married to the former Cindy Smith, with whom he co-wrote the song "Where Am I Gonna Live." That was featured on his 1992 <laughs> album. Are you channeling here higher right? That's it. Where am W-H-E-R apostrophe M. Worm. How do you spell worm? Worm. I've got to live. Uh, together they have three children, including Miley, born as Destiny Hope, Noah Lindley, and son Brazen Chance. Brazen Chance. Brazen and it's Brazen Chance coming up. Destiny Hope in the front, and now Brazen Chance is the winner. 
So they uh, divorced in uh, 1991. All right. So who's he been married to since then? Um, I'm looking do you mean at... officially or? Uh, hmm. Oh, he and someone named Finley were secretly married December 28th of 1992. Wait, is he still married to Finley? That's what it says. Finley also sounds like a horse, by the way. Mm-hmm. Finley? Oh. That's it? That's the only name? Finley. Yeah. Is that his? It's just a one? He's married to like a one-named woman? <laughs> Let's see. Oh, he, he stated that the daughter, uh, Miley, was conceived with Finley. Uh, you know, so she's... The original wife is not the mother. Okay. So he had her. a first marriage from which there were no children. Yeah, there were children. And so then he... Children. But Miley is from his second wife. Mm-hmm. Was right. it a wife or was it just a Finley? And son Cody was conceived with an unidentified woman. <laughs> <laughs> in a bag on her head and no identifying uh, prints of any kind. The family lived on a 500-acre farm outside of Nashville, what does that Tennessee. Mean? Conceived with an unidentified woman. What but, does that even mean? But they mean? moved to L.A. for the filming of Hannah Montana. I mean, clearly someone must have identified the... I mean... There must be. Well, whatever. All right. Okay. The uh, He is presently married to Letitia Tish Finley. We know somebody married to a Tish. Yes, we do. Um, but wait. So, and that is the white, the mom of Miley Cyrus. Yes, that's what he claims. So very confusing. All right. Um, I had a thing I was going to do here, but I don't really remember what it was for the life of me. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hey. Is it really true we get no audio of the roast? Uh, is, well, that is Who true. Who are you, and what have you done with Rick Emerson? Now... But I don't understand Damn, the source of the question. the word. Seven years. Where? Uh, are you not going to be at the roast? Well, you know, first of all, uh, even if I wanted to, you know, it's kind of crowded there. You're a pretty popular guy. But, but secondly, I'm just kind of amazed after all these years you've had us on, you know, spreading the word that we don't even get, you know, clippets of your roast. Clippets. Who are you? I don't know, but I'm going to begin using the word clippet more frequently. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So... Uh, you know, obviously, this is sort of a different kind of listener party. So, you know, we're going to have a lot of the same elements. I mean, they're still going to have the band playing, the big rock set at the end. We're going to have... But we uh, wouldn't know because you know, only the people are allowed inside are going to know that. So it's it just kind of depressing. Well, it's not like there's going to be somebody that are screening you specifically, like keeping an eye out for you and then kicking you to the curb. Oh, in other words, I can bring my camera in and film it? No. Well, oh. that you cannot do. Okay. But you do seem strangely bent on having it filmed. My, <laughs> I'm my... in the middle of Bible Man costumes for you and Bible <laughs> Verse Girl for I'm Linny. I so I'm just trying to wonder who is this guy on TV that won't let everybody hear his rose? Wait, to whom are we speaking? This is Linny. So do we, now please forgive the question, do we know you? Well, I've, several times I've called. Okay, you so know, we... Richie knows me. I, I'm a seamstress. I, when you, you know, you, months ago you, you decided on Bible Man or thought you liked it. I've, I've created half the costumes for you and Sarah. Sarah, did you know that somebody was creating Bible Man costumes no, for us? No, that's pretty nope. awesome. <laughs> it, it, it's not, I didn't tell. <laughs> all right, so this is just a thing you've been working on. Sarah's, Sarah's has Bible verses all over. It's kind of like a superhero, but Bible verses all over. And you're just Bible Man. I just kind of went to the, the Internet and saw what I could see. And Should I ask the awkward question about, are you just guessing at our sizes? Well, fortunately... Because that's going to turn out badly. It's all Oh, my God. So I got to be like a full-on bulging Bible man, like well, no, see, Adam here's, West here's style? I'm confused. Uh, my, my Rick Emerson has a huge sense of humor. I, I'm just like, geez, we don't even get like a, cl- you know, just a clip or I don't, two of the, the roast. Here's the thing. I don't understand. You get to be there. See, don't you understand? <sighs> you get to actually go in person and watch it. It's okay. not like, do you live in Nome, Alaska or something? Well, I'm, I'm in the coup. What? So you you do in fact only have. I was born actually in Alaska. You only then have to drive like twenty minutes. Okay, this is. I've been with you for like seven years. I take care of the mentally handicapped. 
Yes. Yes. Maybe now it's, 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 you know, when you started biking for us, we made little patches. And, oh, well, here's the thing. I will say, let me just say, first of all, I think if we do a quick survey of the room, I guess, is there some sort of problem, Sarah, Tim, that I'm, that I'm not seeing somehow? It sounds, like you're, it sounds like you're going to be there, is my question. Oh, I'll tell you what. If you're really firm about telling us that we're not going to get any audio on this, this thing, then I will be there just if no other reason to set it on undercast for all the other fans that well, have been with like, you for six years. It seems like you really ought to be there regardless, is my point. <laughs> all right, I'm ending this call. Thank you. Bye now. I don't understand what was going on there. All right, there's, there's that woman. Because they still allow people to leave the coup at night. I, I mean, really, I, I guess I don't understand the, the big like, hurdle she was talking about. So I guess it, it, the thing is you actually do get, it's not like it's going to be happening on a mountaintop somewhere, like inside a cave. No, 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 it, and so there has to be like a satellite feed of it. I mean, you do actually get to go and watch it. So at the request of, uh, of many of the roasters, though, uh, and just because we want to make it a little bit more, you know, we want to make it kind of a special okay. event. We want to give people motivation to go there. No, it's not going to be filmed. It's not going to be recorded. Uh, but of course, there's no cover, there's no ticket, there's no whatever. And again, the Crystal is a good, a good size capacity venue. And the uh, free admission is a generous gift on your part. That is really, no, that is true, Tim. I'm glad you pointed that out. Really, we give and give, and still the people want more. So, no, 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 just grab your ID and uh, and be there. Yeah. Quit being so mental about everything. Oh, no, it's free. <laughs> I mean, really, what? You're what? giving it all away. <laughs> so let's just so let's just cut back on the drama, shall we? All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Yeah, it could be worse. A uh, seven-year-old Florida boy on an eight-minute joyride in Grandma's sport utility vehicle left a trail of broken mailboxes and bent fenders along the way. Nobody was hurt in Palm Beach Gardens. It all started when the boy took the keys to the SUV, climbed aboard, and took off. Onlookers noticed the vehicle being driven erratically by a small person. After taking out a couple of mailboxes, the boy veered onto a crowded Costco parking lot, hitting two cars. Undeterred, he continued on, hitting two more moving vehicles. Eventually, he plotted to a sign, sharing a wheel off the SUV, and bring the, the adventure to an end. His name is being released. He's being charged with stealing a vehicle and has been turned over to his family. This is unusual be, uh, behavior for a seven-year-old, but it is Florida, after all. A man is being sued for throwing a carrot in his wife's eye. This is from Connecticut, where nothing bad ever happens. A Connecticut woman who lost an eye when her husband checked the carrot at her, repeatedly suing him for causing the injury. Pamela Basie of Monroe, Connecticut, filed suit against her husband, claiming he threw a carrot 20 feet in her direction while they were having a dispute. Her attorney said her client's eye burst when it was hit oh. by carrot. Oh! No. Well, I thought it was just sort of like it bumped her eye, like it no, sort of no. bounced off her face. First of all, that's Your pretty... Your eyes can explode? Yep, the ruptured eyeball has been replaced with a brand new glass eye. So, A, that's kind of impressive that he was able to throw a carrot that accurately. B, well, a carrot would be like an arrow, a whole carrot. But, I mean, it must have been a pretty sharp carrot. Yeah, well, they, are, they do have jagged edges. Oh, so it wasn't like the tip of the... It wasn't like it's a spear. Like an arrow. So, it, but it was sort of like the... You, you think it might have been the... Uh, like the the side of the carrot sort of abraded her eye. Mm -hmm. Your her eye burst. I don't want anything in my body ever to burst ever ever. I, things on my body could let's see inflame, fall off, swell, um, cancify. You know, bursting is is like at the bottom of the list though. Things I want. By the way, they're still living together and they love each other. Of course they do. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey Rick, how you doing? I can already tell from your tone of voice what this call is going to be about. Go ahead. You know, I, I own my own business, and, you know, I can't afford to necessarily pay somebody to do my job. 
the night of the uh, <laughs> listener party. So yes, sir. I, I myself am going to be one of those unlucky loyal fans that is going to totally eat it on not being able to hear anything. <laughs> okay, see, so at, la at least you're sort of like embracing it. As the last, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm picking on the last caller, but I think it took us a while to figure out what. Her complaint was because she kept sort of apparently taking a break from sewing us Bible Man and Bible Girl costumes, which is great. She was sort of circling around the issue. I like how you just dive right in and say that you're going to be, quote, eating it on the night of the listener party. It sucks. It sucks. And, hey, here's a little comedy for you. A couple weeks ago you were talking about your obsession about flicking the little white flakes off of uh the desk or countertop or whatever your obsession with the white. Uh, yeah, Dawn Taylor sort of captured that for time and all eternity in the Portland Tribune article where she says Rick Emerson sits behind his desk nervously brushing at invisible specks of dust on his, you know, whatever. So, and I caught myself doing it in Susan Reynolds' office the other day too. She was on the phone and I was actually reaching under her desk to remove tiny white specks of dust that only I can see. Um, well, I got I got your cure. Yes, sir. It's called Delta Blue. Thank you. Bye. Eject. All right. I got just to have a little mini roast right there. All right. So, yeah, so sad but true, but the roast uh, will not be filmed. The roast is not going to be taped. Uh, you got to be there in person. So, uh, as we always say, no ticket, no cover, no charge, no nothing. Just grab your ID and be there Thursday, uh, May 15th, uh, 8 p.m. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. Well, yeah, plenty of time to figure out how to get out of work or whatever else you're stuck in. I mean, yeah, I was going to ask that guy uh, is sort of uh, what his uh, job was, what he kind of did for a living. Mm -hmm. But uh, you all you got to do is turn that sender on that says closed. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, really, if you're going to fabricate an excuse, you do have two and a half weeks to come up with it. Uh, and in fact, you know, at some point, I don't know if we have time to do it today. At some point, we might be able to actually help people create excuses. We can have like a little, like like a help desk where we can help you fabricate some sort of reason uh, to your boss why you will not be in that night. So here's Tim Riley. There is a website that helps you with those. Is that true? Yeah, I had it on my website a couple of days ago. All right. Uh, let's see here, Rick. This says, of course you should record the roast, at least the audio, knowing how much your listeners drink at your parties. How many of them do you think are even going to remember any of it? Well, that's a fair point, I suppose. Uh, how about this one? Rick, I'm not sure what that lady's problem uh, is. My husband and I live in Vantucky. We will be at the party. I am old and will be suffering greatly with a hangover the day after. Um, she should play through the pain like everybody does. Right. Well, I think she is going to be there. I, I think they have public transportation. I mean, from the cube to get down here, if if indeed you have to do and, that. And to be fair, I don't think her concern was for herself. It sounded like she was planning on being there. I think she may. I think her concern may have been uh, for folks in the far flung regions of this country who are maybe not going to. Although uh, I know that we've got people coming from Arizona for this. Uh, I've heard. Uh, I know we have uh, a couple of listeners coming from Seattle uh, for this, so it's uh, it's going to be a big deal. So Thursday, May 15th, uh, 8 p.m. Let's do one more, and we'll take a break. Well, trouble is translating into riches for Amy Winehouse. Uh, she has made the cut for uh, Britain's top ten uh, richest people. She's worth $20 million. See, but I, don't even, I, I was just going to say, I don't even know how that's possible. How is that possible? In 2008, uh, with the record industry sort of imploding, mm -hmm. and I don't know that she writes her own stuff. Maybe she does, but I'm a little skeptical about that. I think she has co-writers, at least. I, I can't imagine how Amy Winehouse... Well, maybe she does endorsements or something that we don't get to see because we're here in America. That's true. She might do, like, she might advertise stuff. At the top of the list, young millionaires, ages 30 and under, at the top is Danny Harrison. That's George Harrison's son. He's worth $320 million. Can you imagine that? And all the Coldplay guys are in third. Oh, they're all time for third. 
All the Coldplay guys, Gus Berryman, Johnny Bucklin, and Will Champion, all worth $60 million apiece. I do feel sorry for recording artists who sort of are just starting out now, mm-hmm. because there was a time when just the record industry had such a stranglehold on the public that, I mean, if you were a decent-sized rock act, I mean, the money just came in, like, in bucketfuls. And that's just not the case now. Let's see here. Oh, and uh, Madonna is worth $600 million. Of course she is. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Richards, $380 million. Eric Clapton, 280 million. Phil Collins, 280 as is Ringo Starr. Yeah, all right then. And the Beckhams, 250 million. Uh, Sir Paul McCartney, a billion dollars. A billion dollars. A billion dollars. Good for you, Paul. Uh, Rick, where can I download this much discussed bootleg video of your roast? I'm at work and bored. I'm dying to see it. <laughs> um, uh, okay, we should take a break because uh, we're like way, way over time. Yeah, that wouldn't happen. Uh, we're we'll come back. Uh, more exciting news from Tim Riley. Tim Riley. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Oh, and when we come back, I'll play the campaign song, which is awful. We'll play this great, awful Hillary Clinton campaign song. Uh, later on, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian Top 5 and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere! You're on the, uh, you're on the, you're listening to the Rick Emerson Radio, I need more coffee. You're on the Rick Emerson Radio program. Uh, here's what's coming up. Uh, we have the worst song you've ever heard in just a moment, campaign style. Later on, Peter Carlin, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to Richie Bristol. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio program. What's up? Hey, Rick, it's Dave. How you doing, buddy? Hello, sir. Hey, I was just, uh, going by Lloyd Center. Sorry, I needed a phone, so, you know, I apologize for being, uh, frequenting that place. However, the security guy outside by the parking, they tool around on segways now. At the at Lloyd Center, really? Yes. Come on. They yeah. uh, exactly. That's why I was going by, and the guy reminded me of Job, and I just started giggling like I was a schoolboy. It was fantastic. That seems strange. I, wouldn't you? Uh, I, I would think that it would be security guards at like Washington Square or something yeah. that would have segways. Lloyd I Center seems scale. a little. Yeah, that seems a little. Uh, some, of my, some of my neighbors have them just for fun. Is that true? Yes. How much does oh, segway gosh. go for now? Is it like ten grand? I don't know. I wonder how much one of those costs. Like, if we we ought to get one. I've we, always wanted to ride At the listener party, we ought to offer Segway rides. <laughs> we ought to have, like, a... We have to have somebody who has one. I was riding my bike along the Esplanade uh, this weekend, and three Segways in a row went by. I'm out for a bike ride with a person. Did you like, say, come on? I didn't. Did you think it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are, well, okay. they just, like, tool on by? I'm like, We must doing? know a listener that has a Segway. We have to. There's got to be somebody in the audience that has one. Uh, wait, a, because I want to ride one. And B... Uh, and I know that's very, uh, like, 2003, but, I mean, I want to ride one, and it seems like we ought to have some sort of ride a Segway booth at the listener party. That seems like it would be a big hit. Fantastic. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, are you going to be at the uh, listener party uh, 11, my friend? Absolutely. I wish I could bring my uh, my rabbit, my uh, the Trojan rabbit. Dave, the, the winner of your fantastic contest, <gasps> my man. Did you oh, go yet? Oh, did you? Uh, this is, you were the winner of the spam sculpting contest. Yes, I am. All right, sir. Did you, uh, did you go to, to Vegas yet? I have it scheduled. Uh, probably won't be there till mid June, mid uh, June twenty eighth. All right, man, go see. you don't even know how lucky you are. Have you after. seen the Wynn Casino before? Only 
only online. Dude. I'm just, I'm freaking it's, out. It is, I, you, you walk in there and you see colors that you've never seen before. You walk in and there's like this <laughs> magical, like beautiful forest full of like twinkly lights and all these lamps and oh my gosh. And let me just say this, it sounds like we're all stoned or something, but the air... In in the Wynn Hotel Casino, smells sweeter than any air I have ever inhaled in my life. I mean, it really is like being transported to a magical world when you go to that place. So I envy you, sir. Uh, I'm very I'm very excited. And thanks again, you guys, uh, for doing that and just the way we were treated and, and just everything. You know why that is? Because the Rick Emerson Show cares about its listeners. Certain allegations recently to the contrary. We, notwithstanding, the Rick Emerson Show cares for the audience. It's a fantastic Beware the minibar at that place, though, because if you move something within 20 seconds, you get charged for it. Oh, brutal. All right. Okay. Thank you. So, well, let us know how the trip goes. Absolutely. I'll keep you updated. Thank, thank you, my friend. There you go. A All Segway right. is close to $5,000. Oh, well, I'm still not going to buy it. Or $4,500 on Segway. You know, uh, when Laura and I went to uh, San Francisco a couple Christmases back, there was a Segway tour of the city. Uh, but the, the wait, the wait was like three hours, so we were just not going to do it. But the, they offered it was like, yeah, you rent, it was like you paid thirty bucks and you got on the Segway and you got the tour San Francisco for like two hours on the Segway. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Oh, you know what else I saw? In uh, Fortune Magazine, I should have brought it in today. There's a new invention. Uh, it's it's kind of like the Roomba, but it's a it's a lawnmower that mows the lawn by itself. That is so great. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I, I think that is an accident waiting to happen. Oh, and of course. Uh, but you know, as is. I mean, all modern technologies like that are just some sort of a maiming or a house fire. Uh, they're just waiting in the wings. The inter- here's the thing about the Roomba is you know, Laura and I have one of those, and I'm not trying to. Let me say first and foremost, uh, my wife is very industrious and actually, and I'm not saying it's woman's work, but she actually, of the two of us, does, spends a lot more time cleaning the house. She's just much more concerned about it and more motivated than I am. I'm just sitting on the sofa watching my Beatles documentary all the time. And so I went home the other day and I, I don't know, I was kind of, it's, it's interesting, I was giving her, I was kind of poking, I was giving her some crap about, she was a day off and I was giving her some crap about not having done anything. You know, about how I was just having laid on the sofa watching the hills all day. She had some hills marathon she was watching. And um, and I said, well, you know, some of us had to work today, sweetie. We weren't able to sit at home watching Gossip Girl all day. And her response was, hey, I used the Roomba today, which sort of worked with me for about five seconds until I realized that using the Roomba is, I mean, that's ten seconds. That's unplugging it and hitting the go button. That's it, you know. And meanwhile, uh, and I'm speaking of all the days, meanwhile, your American ass just lays on the sofa doing nothing while the robot cleans the house. So it is it is a brave new world that we're in right now. So this is called a robo mow. It mows, you don't. <laughs> Excellent. So it's just so let me understand this. It's a robot equipped with whirling blades that you, you thinks pick up, by itself. You just pick up your feet <laughs> and it mows right by you. Oh, that... Sit there and read the magazine and it takes care of itself. I hope oh. that they have commercials on T V and they do it to the theme of Kokomo. That's a robo Get your lawn cut automatically. Healthy and beautiful looking lawn. Environmentally friendly. No petrol, oil, or admissions. Until it turns on you. No need to collect the clippings. It comes in four different models. The robo That's exactly what we need to do. Is We need to take robots and put uh, put blades on them that rotate at 1,000 miles a second. Uh, Jesus. All right. Well, that's going to be freaky. Let me, uh, let me go ahead and play this before we... Because uh, uh, I want to make sure we get to it. So... I don't even think I'll give any introduction, except to say that this is real. This is not a fake video. Uh, this is actually a real video that many, many people sent to me. So, without any further introduction, it's today's installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. Hillary, you're making history. 
Let's all acknowledge right now this is one of the worst things that's ever existed. Wow. And I'm including smallpox. thing about it this is actually sophie b hawkins i should have pointed that out no. i should have pointed that out by the way this is not uh, someone knocking off the sophie b hawkins song i should have pointed at the top i was thinking the person had a, a decent voice oh yeah that's because it's the real sophie b hawkins by the way who is in the video uh who's just they shot this on like one day on some handheld video camera clearly hey, mama's gotta pay the bills it's sophie hawkins running around what looks like san diego um singing damn i wish you were president which is really straining to make the meter fit by the way yeah so this is not uh like a celebrity knockoff this is the real sophie b hawkins singing this So there you go. So uh, you that, can see that's them. too much. It really is. You can see it on YouTube. Uh, the title of that video is To Hillary Clinton from Sophie B. Hawkins. Damn. So uh, there, there you go. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, those segues that the rent-a-cops ride over at uh, Lloyd Center? Yes, sir. They have training wheels. They're four-wheeler. They're not real uh, self-balancing segues. Why would you need a f – isn't the whole thing about the segway that you can't fall over? I don't know, but it has four wheels. It's the funniest thing. So so it's not quite the Segway. <laughs> How perfect is that the people at Lloyd Center would need training wheels for their Segway? <laughs> a device which is, wait for it, idiot-proof. That is great. That's wonderful. Okay, now I have to go uh, like sometime this week and look for those. You got it. It's, it's hilarious. Thank you, my friend. Uh-huh. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, how are you? What's up? Hey, I uh, want to offer my services for the next uh, listener party. Uh, how so? Uh, I have a professional DJ computerized all digital for uh, karaoke. Tim had a Tim had a reaction uh, indicating that he's a big fan of that idea. Well, uh, I, I I want I want you and uh, Sarah to be able to come out and sing uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. 
Oh, we did that. So where did we do that at? We the did that old barn. Cinco de Drinko. Is your, that where we did that? At, at your birthday party. No, not, no, no. The one, the one before your birthday party. It was either Cinco de Drinko or it was. Um, it was Cinco de Drinko. Yeah, Cinco de Drinko was at the old barn, right? That was that place. It was Brian Kipe's account, I think. Brian the Bling Master. Oh yeah. my God! Remember that guy, the Bling Master? Wow, yeah, I wonder I, how many girls he's knocked up since then. I kept, I kept trying to get wow. Sarah to come out and sing it. I kept trying to get Sarah to come out and sing a song with me, and she never would do it. Uh, well, drop me an email, sir. We're, the the uh, Rick Emerson listener party is coming up, and it's it, a lot of the evening is already. You know, we've got the roast uh, going on. Uh, we've got Nickel Arcade doing a set at the end of the party. Uh, Emerson Starship will be doing their rock set as they always do. Uh, that's, why but, I, that, that's why I say I'll do your next one. Well, drop well drop me an email, and we sort of keep a file of people who are you know uh, you know interested in, in providing services like that. So drop me an email, sure. and uh, you know we may be in touch. Thank you, my friend. Sounds great. All right, there Bye. you go. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a Geek Watch. Time for a Geek Watch. Oh, I'm sorry. Here's your Geek Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. I need a second. High-speed <laughs> modem is intolerably slow. We certainly remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn ship. You got it? Better <laughs> The Grand Theft Auto 4 hype machine shifts into overdrive. The highly anticipated next installment of Grand Theft Auto hits stores for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, giving millions of eager JTE4 fans the first chance to go on a virtual crime spree with the game. Of course, that's assuming you aren't a pirate that downloads the game illegally. As the release date nears, the hype swirls around the game. Now the GTA 4 looks to continue the series' long history of both <laughs> critical acclaim, controversy, and overhyping. It is a rare occurrence for any game to receive even one perfect score when being reviewed, but already the game has received a perfect score of 10 out of 10 by a simple game website. Do you understand anything in the story? No, but I'm going to continue. Okay. 99% of these, well, the same thing. GTA 4... Uh, the hype doesn't stop there. The folks over at the Guinness Book of World Records are keeping a keen eye to the game's release. The chronicle of the infamous small and large thinks GTA 4 stands a good chance at breaking a few records when it comes to the game's release. Of course, the GTA series is uh, synonymous with controversy, most notably the uproar regarding the hot coffee mod for the last installment <laughs> GTA San Andreas, as well as the violence, prostitutes, and police chases the series is known for. Now, when it comes to the GTA 4, <laughs> the National Institute on Media and Family has already released a statement in conjunction with the ESRB. <laughs> Whoa! Jesus! What the hell was that? That's... And why not? Why not pick one up today? That's we should explain that that's a dog, by the way, and not one of us. Sarah's dog just began barking madly. That's the second time he's done that today, and he's never Who done else that was unnerved? <laughs> Muppet. Enough. I couldn't figure out where I was for a moment. <laughs> I thought I was home. Uh, wait, that was that was freaky just I'm now. I'm not proud of you. Get down. Well, that's the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the gist of it. He sees people sometimes, like somebody just walked by that he obviously didn't like. Jesus. Well, that happens to us, too, but we don't bark. Uh, <laughs> just turn away. So the upshot is that uh, Grand Theft Auto 4 comes out, and I think it's tomorrow. Uh, and I, I'm actually not much of a Grand Theft Auto fan, but uh, I know many people are. Richie probably is, so we'll have Richie in later this hour uh, uh, to talk about it. But uh, I read a review in the New York Times of it, and they said it's just, just exceptional. Apparently the new Grand Theft Auto game is just 
just mind-blowingly good. As one uh, would expect. So there you go. There's your geek watch for uh, Monday. <laughs> that was really weird. <laughs> Love it never barks. Jim never likes a second cup of coffee at all. Dangerous mix. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, Rick, I had an idea for um, a follow-up Obama-Rama song that yes, I'm too lazy to do myself. Okay. Here's what you do. You take the song Elvira and change it to Obama. <laughs> I'm singing Obama. Oh, 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 that makes my skin crawl. Oh, that's oh, genius. Wow. Oh, wait. See, it fits perfectly. Oh, that's awful. Too lazy, though. You know, that song is so bad in every way. The idea Which is of Lincoln. Why it's genius. <laughs> but see, but it's the sort of maybe it's due for we are maybe we're due for some sort of Elvira revival. And didn't you used to play in a band that uh, sung a uh, Elvira? Well let's clarify. I did not uh, play in a band that saying that my parents, God bless them, had a country music band when I was a kid. And that was the big showstopper that they would drag my brother and I on stage for, and he and I would be obliged to sing along in the chorus. Of the Oak Ridge Boys hit Elvira to my undying shame and horror. We did the mbapa mbapa mau mau part. Yes, we did. Thanks so much for bringing back a painful childhood memory. I appreciate that. I did have one other quick question for you. Uh huh. What's the deal with the Thursday podcast? Um, because you... Uh, um, you skipped this last Thursday and the one before it. Um, there was the a, a couple weeks ago we had a technical glitch uh, with it. I don't know. As far as last Thursday, I don't know. Um, we'll ask Richie. We're going to bring Richie in next hour. We'll ask him. There was a, We had kind of a glitch a couple weeks ago, but as for last Thursday, I don't really know the answer to that. So I'm glad you mentioned it because, you know, I obviously I get to hear the show firsthand. So I don't really download the podcast. So I'm glad you mentioned there's something weird with it. We'll look into it. All right. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, sir. All right. So, uh, yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Just keep waiting for the dog to bark again. Now, now I'm just like, now I'm braced for it. Hi, what's up? Hey, I was just, um, you were talking about the Segway tours down in San Francisco. Yes, sir. Um, my AAA says that Portland has the same thing. That there's a, a Portland tour on a Segway? Yes. That is really cool. Where where would that tour start? What would it be of? You know, I'm, I, when I get home, what I'll do is I'll email you um, the address. Because it's in, I say, I get AAA magazine. Yeah. And it was in one of those magazines, and it said Portland has a Segway tour. Excellent. Yeah, please do. I'd be I'd be curious because it, this. I mean, it's weird though. Segway's been on the market for like seven years, and they're such a part of the pop culture now. And yet, I still have, I don't think anybody here has ever ridden one. So we're still. It's a thing we have to. I got to put it on my things to do before I die list. Well, if you if you end up making a tour, I want to be on the list to go with you. Duly noted, my friend. Thank you. Thank All right, you. There you go. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, on KCB yeah. Portland. Yes. Yeah, I got an update for that uh, Robomo that. Uh, was talking about. Yes. Oh, they've already got it on a recall because the side of the body is too high. It tends to make cookie rolls out of your feet. Is that true? Is it is it not low enough to the ground? Not low enough to the ground. That's the way I saw it on the news the other day. I love the idea that they took something that maimed thousands of people every year anyway, or the lawnmower, <laughs> and they decided that the thing that's going to make it safer is to just give you no control over it whatsoever and have it think for itself. Yeah, of course not. All right, thank you. Yeah. You know, Tim, when you were growing up, did you ever have an electric lawnmower when you were growing up? No, but I've seen them before. There was a weird thing my dad had uh, for about six months, and it was a bright orange Toro lawnmower, and it had a cord, of all things. It had a power cord. It was the weirdest thing. But I just think it's a matter of time before you run the damn thing over. Well, that was my thing. That was Even as a kid, I was afraid to use it. And I guess in retrospect, it wouldn't have done anything. Maybe, but it did seem very unsafe that you're pushing a lawnmower around that had like an extension cord plugged into it. It was, it was all kinds of weird. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, 
the best idea for a top five? Yes, sir. Now, the best idea. You're not no, saying the best. You're not saying good, decent, fantastic. You're saying the best. Oh man, no. I, I thought about it last night. Like I was sitting at home stone, and like I just came to me, like <laughs> it, totally. No, it was good. I was I was reading my um, my onion book, uh, this dumb century. Can I Dude, just top, me, top top five? Wait, hold on. Before hold on. Before you give it, let me just say. So they came to you while you were stoned. Now, if I may be, be so bold as to ask, are you stoned now? No, no, no. But I don't do it very much. So when I do do it, I just get completely trashed. Because that, because of course, well, that's the only way to do it, sir. Because the test is, because a lot of times if, if one is up late at night or delirious or stoned or whatever, you have an idea, it seems great, and then the next day, you know, maybe the luster is off again. You're saying even today, sober, it's still a great top five. Well, I mean, in the hands of you, yeah, okay. absolutely. Go ahead. Because I mean, top five onion, um, top five onion headlines. I mean, because I was reading the book and I was cracking up. That, that was because I was stoned, but, like, you know, I think that's the top five idea. I think you could really pull it off. The top five onion, and is this from the print edition or from the Onion Radio News? No, no, print, of course. Of course, I'm sorry. So the top five, the top five print onion headlines with maybe, like, a couple sentences after the headline, like the headline in the first paragraph, maybe. Yeah, 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 and then make sure you announce it on the air before so I can get stoned and hear it. <laughs> will do. You will be the first to know, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. That guy. I There's love, that guy. I love this show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, Richie Bristol, can you uh, drop Peter Carlin an email and see or uh, a call and see if we are? I'm sorry, that's my me. I, I blew the top of the hour there. Breaks in the next one. Excellent. I like what I'm hearing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, I wonder what happened to Scotty. Or not Scotty. I'm sorry, Richie. Woohoo! You know where I am. Um, hey, there there are. From what I've seen, there are Portland tours on Segway that are planning to come, but they're not. I think they're just in the summer. Oh, so this is like a seasonal thing. Do you know what it's a tour of? Like what, what sections of the city? Um, it's at a 25-minute training session, a 90-minute waterfront tour. Um, so it probably just goes uh, you know, along the waterfront. What is there I, really I to see along the waterfront except for nothing. the water? It, it would be kind of dumb. Although, I feel like a knob riding around on one of those things with a bunch of other people. But, I mean, wouldn't you feel like a knob in kind of a cool way, though? No, no way. No, no, you look retarded. We <laughs> what if it's connected to a little wagon? But it's so much fun, it was worth it. The one in San Francisco, you just kind of go all in. You, they tell you things, and it really doesn't matter. You so don't care. Is, but it's just fun to ride the thing. Is, yeah, I, that was going to be my question. Is riding the Segway fun in and of itself? Yes, and I would do it. Yes, you're going to look stupid, but you're going to love it. And, you know, our first thought was, okay, well, if we sell one of the cars, we can... We ought to totally get one of those, like, to service all of CBS as a whole. Like, make it like a community segue that we can all sort of, like, chip in on. Or keep, like, one at the what, the door that you get locked out of so you can segue up down the street and back in the front door. Dude, can I tell you that it happened again to me yesterday? Uh, I was, I went to, I was, it was yesterday I came in and I went to use the bathroom. And it, God God bless me for my cell phone on me because I got locked out of the building in the bathroom area and I had to call the guy at KU, a photo come let me in. All right, excellent, fantastic. Well, we'll look, as summertime uh, dawns, we'll look, and I'm not afraid of looking like a knob. I'll look like a retard. I will, I'll embrace that. It's apparently $70 for the, the thing, but you can rent one for seven days for $120 a day. That's fantastic. I would totally do that. They're really fun. And, you know, you can. You, you said, well, they're idiot-proof. Yes, they don't quite fall over, but you can launch yourself off of them. If <laughs> so, well, that's going to be my goal then. Excellent. Right. Thank Wear you. Wear a helmet. Bye. Bye. All right. Wonderful. I'll go down and, like, walk alongside and videotape you with your band of Segway buddies. I want to shout at people to get out of my way. I want to be on the Segway. Come on!
You should find a banana outfit and dress like a giant banana on it. Okay. Where would I get a banana outfit? I don't know, but do you remember that episode when Joe was in the banana? Yeah. And he's on, yeah I I'd ask know. the Bible woman uh, lady to stitch me an outfit, but I don't think she's talking to us anymore. <laughs> Until her... We didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I, apparently the woman called back and admitted her feelings had been really hurt. If you didn't hear, so there's a, a woman called uh, last hour, around 1.30 or so, and she said, are you going to be taping or recording the roast? And I said, uh, well, no, A, for two reasons. A, I mean, really, to be honest, we don't ever play back anything from the listener party. Can you remember the last thing? Because we always mean to tape them and we, then we forget. We never do, and then it's just like ripe with profanity and we always yeah. miss... Can, can you remember a listener party where we ever played anything back the next day? I can't. We always, I mean, sometimes we mean to tape the listener party, but then we just sort of forget, or we everybody gets drunk, and we forget to do it, and then it all, you know, whatever. So we never, um, we never play anything back from the listener party the next day. Wow, a segue tour is expensive. You mean here in Portland? Yeah. Yeah, she said it was like 70 bucks. Yeah, $70. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we, we never really do that. I mean, it, it's just a thing we do. We just, you know, it's one more thing. And usually the listener parties are, are kind of stressful and putting them together is, you know, logistically, there's a lot of things we have to worry about. Uh, and so it's just one, you know, we just don't get it done. So she calls at one thirty. she said, you're going to be taping the roast. And we said, well, no. Also, because this one's kind of special. It's sort of a different kind of listener party. And the roast is sort of a thing that you want to, you know, you want people to come and appreciate it in person. And it doesn't necessarily work well played back on the radio. It's a thing you've got to really be there. You know, you, it's like where they say, you got to see them live. Well, you kind of got to see it live to appreciate it. So I said, well, no, we're not going to be playing it back. And she was just sort of agog that we weren't going to be taping and playing it back. And I said, look, you just got to be there. There's no, the listener party is there's no cover. Uh, there's no ticket. You don't have to get a ticket. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do, show up, be 21, bring your ID, you get in. And, um, and she just, that didn't really seem to carry any water with her. She, uh, she really kind of got, got really, I think, disproportionately irritated that we weren't going to be taping and playing back the roast. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's just sort of, those are the breaks. Uh, so I guess she called Richie back and was like, all upset. She thought we were being... No, she was upset. We weren't trying to be mean. We weren't trying to be mean. I'm just making the point uh, that for a lot of reasons, the roast isn't going to be taped. It's not going to be filmed. you got to be there. And so we try to make it really easy. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to overstate the whatever. I'm just saying we do try to make it very easy for people. That's why we don't. I mean, a lot of radio stations... Uh, and this is their right if they wish to do it, but a lot of radio stations charge if they're listener parties or they'll do an event or they'll do something. You, know, you have to get a ticket or you have to do what you have to do any of that. All you have to do, show up, have your ID, uh, and you'll be good to go. So um, anyway, it's happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. But anyway, so more important than ever, though, you got to be there because it's your one chance to see it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey, everybody. What's up? Um, Rick, I am a podcast listener. I'm yes, usually sir. listening two, three days behind yes my friend. Uh, catch up on the weekend i just got a job uh it's my first real job lots of really good benefits um good salary but the thing i'm most excited about is now i can listen to rick emerson four hours a day live through the stream at work it's going to be the greatest thing it's the best part it's the best perk of the job i think well thank you i pray that means a lot what uh, what kind of work do you do um, it's gonna. It's like um, website development. Excellent. So you are. Is it because sometimes 
uh, people get the, you know, they'll get a new job and they can listen part of the time or they can listen to the company truck or whatever. But you got something where you're in front of a computer, you're at a, a desk or whatever. Uh, that is why we were really happy to get the stream rolling about six weeks ago uh, because it was sort of one of the last great barriers for the show to break because there was all kinds of people who would, they would work in some building surrounded by electronic equipment and it's just like the signal just w- wasn't going to penetrate. Uh, so, excellent. Well, we're, we're glad to, glad to hear you're going to be able to listen. Are you spreading the word, sir? Uh, every single day. Fantastic. We'll see you on May 15th. Oh, hell yeah. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, no problem. Bye, guys. There you go. Thank you. All right. Wonderful. Uh, let's see. This, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Peter Carlin's rescheduling. We're going to do him later in the week. Okay, uh, great. He uh, had a conflict. Rick, I have no real Segway information for you, except to say that some friends of mine went on a Segway tour here in Portland, and they all dressed up as characters from Arrested Development. <gasps> They let the guy know they had no real interest in the tour. They just wanted to ride around on segways dressed up as the characters. The tour guide was down and, in fact, lamented that he didn't know in advance to wear a costume of his own. We totally have to do this. Okay. Yes. Yes. And can I say yes? Yeah. Yeah. Who would I be? I don't know. I'm trying to think who I would be. I'm worried about me, Rick Emerson. Well, you have to be, um, you'd have to be maybe, probably. You'd have to get some wig or whatever. Because you're not old enough to be Jessica Walters or whatever her name is. Jessica. Oh, I think I could rock that, though. You think? Absolutely. You can, I mean, you could. I have a lot of costume jewelry and big glasses. You could do that. I guess maybe with wardrobe, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who I would be. I mean, I don't want to say. You have to be Job. There's no way that you could be. I don't even you, know. have to, you can whip out one of your old, like, silk purple shirts. And, oh, totally. And I could totally have the boombox. I should totally get the boombox with the Nailed final the countdown box. playing on it. Yes. And just, <laughs> okay, we don't, for no reason, we have to do that. That's a great idea. Wonderful. And Richie can be on <laughs> Oh. Well, speaking of that, let's... Uh, Richie, if you can... Uh, Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA. Rich, Richie Bristol joining us down the street. Let's give microphone three another shot, shall we? Hello, Richie. Hello. Uh, oh, wait, you know what? He still has it out of program. Let's see. Hello? Hello. Ah, there you go. All right, so uh, Matt uh, gave it the old college try again on microphone three. It does look like Thank it's you, working. Thank you, Matt. Hi, Richie. Hello. Hi, your nose is back to normal. No, really, look. Oh, uh, well. It's still a little red. But, so just don't do that. He just, like, tilted back his head. So just if you're talking to a girl, make sure that you don't lean back. <laughs> Always be looking straight ahead or down. Just don't tilt your head back at all. Look at her nice shoes. Yeah, but don't, yeah, but try to, try to, you know, like, don't get too lost staring downward, because that's how you injure yeah. yourself in the first place. Um, so what if, what, should we talk about the, the lady who distracted him? Well, yeah, so you said to ask him, and then you've got, I see you've got a whole sheaf of, of papers from, from the South Sea Connection thing, so we'll do that in a second. So, just to, to back up, and I don't know the outcome of the story. What I do know is that last week, you went to uh, one of those drive through coffee places, uh-huh. and you had been so distracted by the girl's cleavage that you stuck your nose into a cup of red-hot coffee, burning the end of your nose, and then you poured it onto your stomach. Uh, but then you were all proud of the fact that it, despite doing that in front of her, and did she have any reaction, by the way, as you were, like, staring at her and then burning your face? Did you react, or did you let her know that you burned yourself? Uh, no, I you played it off. Happen? Oh, yeah. you didn't even react. You just kind of played it cool as your as your, as the skin on your nose is bubbling. Uh, and then I put, I, they gave me a sticker so I, like, covered the spot that I spilled it on my skin. Oh, so she saw you spill the coffee, but she didn't realize that it's she because... She a sticker to put on your shirt to cover a coffee stain? Yeah, well, I got That's out of the car. I got, it was one of those drive-ups, and I, right. but I got out of the car because I had to get 
into the window. Well, as close as I could. <laughs> okay. Like without jumping inside there. But so you didn't. But but so you just played through the pain. She didn't even know that you burned yourself. I don't think so. All right, and you still got her phone number. Well, yeah, technically. So what is? <laughs> I called it. So what is it? So you called. What did she look like? First of all. Um, hot. Can you come on? <laughs> paint paint a picture cool. with your words. Here. Oh, blue eyes, brunette. Probably oh, about tall, short. Uh, short. Probably about twenty something. Okay. And uh, blue eyes with brunette is just oh my. And uh, tan and a very flat stomach. All right then. So she gives you. Th- Isn't she standing behind the counter? Like behind a, a machine? He's extrapolating out. Well, I was asking her to show me things. <laughs> oh, please, really? Were you were you well, asking like her to show more? Different cup sizes and stuff. <laughs> a coffee, coffee cup, cup size. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, okay, not all right. Anywho, uh, so where would you rank her on the classic one to ten scale? Whew. Nine. Really? Oh yeah, she has a sister too. Really? Does she? She was there. She was walking up. Do they have an extra close relationship? They got some good pictures. Okay. <laughs> well, Anywho, all right. So she gives you her phone number. Right. And then so when? How long did you? This was when? This was on Wednesday. How long did you wait to call it? Uh, till like I don't know Saturday. Okay, so you called Saturday and the coffee shop was closed. <laughs> oh wait, so it wasn't her. So you asked her? Did you ask her pre? You you said she didn't offer the number. You asked for her number. Yeah. And she gave you the number of the business? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. No. Well, that's a good... At least it wasn't a fake number, because that would have been, like, flat-out terrible. But maybe she wants me to call back when she's... <laughs> sure. Working. I'm sure that's what it is. Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's that's ex- that's exactly what it is. Strong indications are, maybe, Richie, that she was interested, but not that interested. <laughs> that would just be my assessment. All right, so what do you have in your hand here? Uh, a 10. So, oh, wait, so these are more girls from South Sea Connections. Uh-huh. Oh, she's really cute. Oh, I want to see her. I'm member overview. This is her description of herself, and then I'll pass these uh, your way. So let's go through these one at a time. And this is you would rank this girl a ten. Yeah, I think. I'm sweet, small, petite, loving, caring, good cook, clean freak, and of course attractive. Uh, So she lives in well, this is she lives in Australia. Uh huh. Twenty three years old, Australia, very attractive. Uh, Let's see, uh, Asian Catholic. High school occupation, hair and beauty. Um, let's see. Smoking, yes. Drinking, yes. <laughs> yes. That's Richie's kind of lady. I am looking for the one who can look after me as much as I can look after him. I am supportive in every way. Affectionate, honest, caring. I want to get married and settle down. Now, but you don't want to get married and settle down, Richie. Well, she looks pretty good. <laughs> I have to see the ten. Can I please see the ten? Let me just finish wait, this wait. final sentence. Get the highlight. I want to get married and settle down. So if that's you... Holla, holla at ya, uh, Y-H, uh, I'm sorry, Y-A-H, chick, holla at ya chick, holla at ya chick. Oh, boy. Aged 24 to 34. You're outside, you're too old for her. Not now. <laughs> are you, are you, are you, Did you lie about are you your gonna, age? You're going to age shave? I changed it when she was looking at my profile. <laughs> I even had to put a note to make sure I change it back. <laughs> How old are you now? I was under there at 33. Now you're 33. <laughs> Excellent. There you go. Okay, let me see the 10. All right. All right, see, what I don't understand of this one, oh, she is cute. Uh, she looks like if you scrape that makeup off, though, it might not be too pretty. Well, see, it's a, it's a photo. You can't really tell. That's the that's the tricky thing sometimes. You can't tell. With the well, see, Richie, why would you even pick this girl? Because I'm looking at this smoking, no, drinking, no. Uh, I just looked at the picture. <laughs> I didn't get that far. Was 
that other one I did. Though. All right, let's see here. Um, I I'm, quit smoking. I'm only a person who's willing to give you the best if what uh, if what I can be, but I'm not perfect. I am loving, caring. My friends tell me I'm a sweet girl, and I have this girl. Okay, this girl's really she's working off a bad English to whatever Asian <laughs> phrase book. The, let's see. Friends tell me I'm a sweet girl, and I have a reach heart. R e a c h. I have a reach heart. What do you suppose that means? Uh, Richie, you're Asian. What does that mean? What does what having a reach heart mean? A rich heart, maybe? Rich heart, maybe. That's what it is. Okay, good. No, well spotted. Give her a heart or reach, bro. Uh, don't. Really? <laughs> Female. She's 18. Oh, no. Single. No ki- children. Listen to the Philippines. 18? 18. She contacted me. That's, I don't know. Richie, how old are you? 36. Well, because you're out of the dating range of this one, too. Because <laughs> she only wants 28 to 35. I know. I'm keeping all those together. <laughs> Language is spoken. English. English ability, good. Occupation, made. Uh, smoking, no. Drinking, occasionally. I'm looking for a man who will love me till God takes my last breath. <laughs> I does not say that. It says, I'm looking for a man who will love me till God takes my last breath. I don't know, Richie. Uh, kind, honest, and understanding man. Accept me as what I am. Appreciate the things only I can give, like being a simple me. Okay. Uh, well, she's cute. I'll give you that. Did you want to look at this yeah. one? Cute, and she's 18. Until God takes my Until last God breath. Until God takes my last breath. Let's see. She'll date an 80-year-old, though. <laughs> well. You're right. She isn't too picky. I'll date 18 to 80. <laughs> female, 28, age, uh, I'm sorry, age 28. Um, this girl's really attractive. Let's see. Uh, she's from the Philippines. Attractive. Christian. Gemini. Her Chi- It's interesting that all of these, they have their Chinese Zodiac uh, thing. I never really thought about that. Star sign Gemini, which is, I guess, what we in America think of as your, is your sign. But the Chinese Zodiac, she's a hair. Uh, bachelor's degree. Language. Okay. I thought this was a cookie. Language is spoken. Tagalog. Tagalog. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was a Girl Scout cookie. What's that? It's a it's it's a Filipino language. Why? Do, how do you know that? Yeah. Because I'm I grew up in the Navy. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah, all my friends. I was a minority at many schools I went to. All right. Oh. Uh, seeking seeking Caucasian. Oh, Richie man. Bristol. Oh, oh Richie. <laughs> uh, who is <laughs> Richie's never felt more Asian than at this moment. Well, I could talk white. <laughs> really? Talk white. How you doing, sir? <laughs> Have a nice Why day. Why do you put on a voice like this? <laughs> How do you think white people talk? I don't know. Yes. Hello. Yes, Reverend, Reverend Wright. <laughs> I'd like a cup of joe. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I need to buy a new motherboard that has lots of RAM. <laughs> we should totally, we should totally have you. Um, Oh, we should totally listen. Do you have a segment with Richie on how to talk like a white person? <laughs> <laughs> Stuff white people talk like. Caucasian, who is a Christian. Now, you're not a Christian, are you? I mean, it's not my business, but are you religious? looking for a Christian Caucasian. These girls are all very religious. Well, I was a Buddhist, a Mormon. A... You weren't a Mormon. When yes, were you, I was. When were you, why I, do you not tell us these I was, things? I did it a Mormon chick in high school for like two and a half years, and I had, went to seminary and everything. Really? So they kicked me out. They kicked you out of seminary? Oh, yeah. Why? You don't want to know. I, yeah. Oh, what, what do you mean? I you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. Why? I Please tell me you had it. sex in the seminary. Well, that's not why I got kicked out, though. But did you? <laughs> I'm not going to. Richie, stop playing the boy. Seriously. Stuff. That wasn't the only place. <laughs> you had sex in, with a Mormon girl in the seminary? I'll, 
Well, that's the hottest thing ever. All over the place. <laughs> right there in Hill. No, I won't. They're probably listening. In Hillsboro? <laughs> yeah. All right. Was she hot? Did you get yeah. caught? Is that what happened? No, it was other reasons I got kind of. What 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 celebrity did she most closely resemble? Uh, Mormon girls are just. Uh, Alyssa Milano. Really? Oh. Uh, Mormon girls are really just gorgeous. They are. Oh yeah, I went to church for this one. <laughs> oh, is that why? Is that because? So you were not. Uh, she didn't date you because you were a Mormon. You became Mormon because of her. Where her parents didn't really. You know, she was dating a Mormon boy before. Right. And then we started seeing each other, and we kind of hit it for a while. And then I'm like, well, I just started going to church, and we didn't talk to each other at church. And then just mysteriously, next thing you know. Oh, like, I see. So you pretended. So let me understand this. So you met a girl. You wanted to continue uh, sleeping with her. And so you had to concoct a story about how you just met at church. Yeah. That's pretty fantastic. Why did you get kicked out of the seminary? Oh, uh, a camping trip we took. And uh, let's say just poking holes in a tin can. <laughs> I don't understand I don't what that. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means. Well, you take a can, tin can. Oh, you right? were getting high. This is back. In I thought it was like a sexual reference for a second. Um, I think Richie still pokes holes in the tin can. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I, He's like, it was so long ago. I performed. <laughs> All right, that's yeah. So you were getting high. Uh, no. Sure. This I, was twenty years ago. Mean? What does that mean? Twenty years. ago. You were getting high on a, on a church camping trip. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Yeah. Seriously, there's no need to be, dude. It's like there's no need to be coy at this okay, point. Okay. Okay. Really, it is 2008. And basically, you know, there was 14 boys that had never done that before in their life. And... Oh wait, well, let me understand this. So it's not that you were getting high. <laughs> you were getting a whole bunch of Mormon. All of them. <laughs> dude, you were the bat. You're the Johnny Appleseed of weed and sex. Oh yeah. So you were, so you were getting all all of the Mormon boys high with a <laughs> like bong you made out of a tin can. Yeah. You are all class, Richie Bristol. All right, what, what else do you have here? Oh, no, this is just... Are these other... Are these more ratings? Oh, I haven't she's seen... I found one in Canada. It's kind of cool. I haven't seen any of these women. Boy, these women are really I, all... There's... Yeah, these are all stepped up. You've got to learn how to spell holy moly. Uh, <laughs> let's see, Manila. Yeah, there's that girl. Looks good in red. She won't date... Okay, here's a girl. Uh, this is so great. She won't date over 30, and then here is the note. It says, won't date over 34, and then note to himself, don't forget to change age back. <laughs> so, wait, this no. girl won't any, date anybody over 30. Did you lie to her, too? No, Did you make no. yourself 29 for my, her? My limit's 33. Okay, here's a, here's another one. Short hair. Yuck, he says. All right, these are fantastic. So, so what is your next, so what is the next, what is the next step? So, how many women total have you sort of talked to? Uh, mostly IMing and emails. But I mean, how many women would you say you've had conversations with? Twenty plus. So I mean, what is what is the next step for you? I'm just kind of going through the emails and the IM system, system just kind of you know touching base. It's weird because like three quarter uh, quarter of them have kids, and that kind of have to. I have to. And you're searching for somebody without children. Yeah, well, it's hard. You can't get a if you have a child that's native to another country, uh -huh. they can't get an American visa. Is that true? Yeah, like if they have a kid born there, it's it'll take you 10 It's longer. Years. It's the, the bureaucracy is a lot. Yeah. All it'll right. take 10 years as opposed to 2 years. So you're so you're trying to you're looking for someone who uh, meets all of your uh, you know, whatever requirements and then also doesn't have any kids. Yeah. All right. So this is so you go home and so like what time do you fire up the uh, the instant messaging program? Well, late at night because their time is different. Right, okay, so the time so trying to. I've been figuring out the times when everybody, there's 1,200 online or something like and that. And so, now at some point, at some point are you going to sort of take these, however, like 30 women or whatever you've talked to, and narrow it down to, a, like, that you might want to go, you might want to go there and see them, or? Yeah, maybe one per country. 
one per country. I love the idea that you're like you're going to get like a concert shirt that just has a whole tour on the back, like all of the women that you've gone to see in various Asian countries. Although Australia is looking pretty good, I just notice a difference. Like they go up a notch in Australia. If they're even Asians, even Asians. You know, in Australia, <laughs> even the Asians are attractive. Um, we'll take a break here. Just one second. Wow, we're behind. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yeah, Richie makes me feel dirty. How so? His his laugh is just like the skeeziest sales car salesman sort of laugh. He does. Just, it is just, sort of the uh, yeah. Go ahead. Just hearing him talk about how he's trying to scam these uh, these ladies to to falling in love with him or whatever, it just makes me feel dirty. <laughs> All right. And then he, between him and uh, Timmy Ryan, that's just like the skeeziest set of people you have on your radio station right now. It is sort of a supernova of filth. Yeah. Yeah, a All little right. bit. Thank you. One more, and then we break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yeah. Hey there, Rick. What's up? Sarah. Hello. Hello. Hi. Pop it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, I just want to let you guys know I had a really surreal moment this uh, this weekend. I was working a show, and uh, um, I was talking to a lot of people, and, and a voice behind me said, perhaps it is fate that today is the 4th of July. And I turned around, and it was somebody that had turned on to your show about a year ago at, at that, sh- at that uh, sh- uh, show that I was doing. And um, it was just really cool, and uh, you guys give you guys give a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the listeners really like you. They turn you on, or they... Sorry, I'm a little... Uh... Stoned? <laughs> no, sleep-deprived. Okay, but so a guy came up behind you and began doing the Independence Day speech. Right, well, he just said perhaps that today is the 4th of July, and it was it was very surreal. Well, I'm glad we can make an impact to people. Thank you for turning people onto the show, my friend. Absolutely. All right, Have get, a great day. get some sleep. All what? Right. Never mind. Bye. Uh, take a break. We'll come back. We're really behind. We'll come back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. All right. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We return after this. Take it a night to remember, won't you? That seems like it could be messy. Yes. Yes, it does. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't call about this now, but probably tomorrow... We're going to give, give Richie, Richie observations and input on, quote, how to talk like a white man, in which he has expressed some interest. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A group of folks from Hood River want to make Houston, Oregon its own state. If they get their wish, the state line will stretch from east of the Cascades all the way to Idaho. They're getting jealous because the western part of the state gets all the benefits. What do they expect? Eastern Oregon is nothing but a desolate wasteland. (laughs) With no people. (laughs) And houses for like $15. No people who matter anyway, Tim. No, they don't. So uh, let them do it. (laughs) And we don't need Eastern Oregon. What's over there? They have a rodeo once a year? You want them without that? We'll hold their own. Bye. See you later. (laughs) Have a nice life, Eastern Oregon. (laughs) That's like in those southern states who keep threatening to secede again. Who's stopping you? Please Form your go. Own country. Yeah, have, have at it. You know, we'll even we'll give you a, you know, we'll we'll give you some nice starter gifts to start with. We'll we'll all chip in and we'll buy you a crock pot and some drapes. Get out. The reason you're ignored is there's nothing there. <laughs> what is there? There's no no reason for us to care about you at all. No. All right. Go away. Create your own state. That's, have a nice life. That's settled. Yeah. 
Uh, Brooklyn judge has convicted a man accused of secretly cutting up dozens of corpses as part of a scheme to sell the body parts of profit. Chris Andorasi was found guilty today on multiple charges and faces 60 years in prison. He was one of several people who worked with funeral parlor owners in New York and Jersey to cut up uh, cadavers without family permission and then sell the parts for use in medical procedures such as transplants. The prosecutor says he's glad to hear the guilty verdict come down. It was hopefully giving some resolve to... Some of the families on both ends, some of the uh, whose bones were taken without permission, as well as the recipients of those. Jesus. Cadaver. I barely knew her. Cadaver, cadaver. It's all over. A <laughs> uh, drunken man attacked a flight attendant and then was wrangled back into a seat by a group of fast-thinking passengers and crew during a flight last night from Hong Kong to L.A. The enrolling traveler was then duct-taped to a seat by several passengers aboard the flight. The man whose name has not been released was arrested when the plane landed at LAX. An investigation into the matter is ongoing. It's unclear what provoked him. Several passengers were injured during the scuffle. There were a total of 329 passengers, 15 flight attendants, four pilots aboard the Boeing 747. Such outbursts are not common on flights, and it's going to be uh, reviewed by uh, committee. Safety has a number on priority, and duct taping people to seats is a good way to go. That's that. Is that the extent of our news today? Yes, for now. Got to go prepare more news for the afternoon, of course. I am. All right. I'm undecided. All right. Let me just read this email. Rick, uh, I, too, would be interested into whether the roast was going to be recorded. I can't go. I cannot because I am 20 years old. I listened to the podcast. wanted to tell you there are quite a few, quote, malleable brain college students that choose to be subjected to the inanity that your show is here at OSU. Hello, OSU. Best show ever. Good luck with the listener party. Uh, P.S. The government sucks for not letting me go to events like Listener Party 11. Well, mm. I suppose next year, my friend. I'm sorry. We all have our, uh, we all have the long, dark tunnel of underageness that we must, uh, that we must go through. All right. I guess it's one of the rites of passage. It is to adult. No, it, and you know what? And it, it, it's one of those things that is. I don't say it makes me feel old, but it is. It does mark the passage of time that every year. Uh, we hear from folks who say that this is the first listener party they're going to be able to go to that they haven't been able to attend uh, in the past. So it is coming up fast, uh, less than three weeks away. Rick Emerson, listener party 11. Uh, Emerson's 11 happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. Uh, at the Crystal Ballroom. Let's see. Uh, we should probably uh, break here uh, in just a second. Uh, let's see. Um, Rick. Rick. Oh, I already read this one. This is the one that says, Rick, how is Richie having sex anywhere the hottest thing ever? What the hell is wrong with you? Well, I was kind of wondering when you said that. I'm like... It wasn't the Richie element. It's just Mormon girl and seminary. That's the hot part. Uh, it still doesn't work in my the, head. The, the Richie factor is sort of... Richie's sort of an un, unavoidable incidental aspect of that story. Uh, Rick... Richie really is like the best thing ever. He is the everyman and pretty much the embodiment of the id. I can only assume that at 36 he's gone through puberty, but boy, does he seem perpetually stuck in a state of retarded adolescence. <laughs> the more we learn, the more there is to know. Kind of like how you can only see 10% of an iceberg. There's so much more beneath the surface. How does Richie not have his own reality show? Well, he's working on it. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, just a bunch of, uh, let's see. Uh, I have uh, well, a lot of segue things. We'll have to do the segue thing at, uh, at some point. Uh, how about this one? Rick, all Disney ever produces is horrors and crappy television. Uh, did you realize that the following all came from Disney? Britney Spears, uh, Lindsay Lohan, Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, Vanessa Hughes, and now Miley Cyrus. There is some weird sort of Disney slut curse uh, that does that does seem to happen. So, in any event. All, right. all of them are, and Justin Timberlake. A little man whore. Disney does seem to be some sort of an inadvertent slut-making factory there. 
right, uh, we'll take a break. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven. Top of the hour, all the way through. Like us, like us at three. By the way, Michael Maris show at seven. We'll be back after this. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. By the way, we're going to adopt that phrase. From now on, every 28 days, it will be, someone's making her monthly donation to the Red Cross. But someone will not be me, Rick Emerson. I'm just saying, whoever it might be. Uh, it's 503-733-2970, so we got like four minutes here. Uh, so good. Uh, do we, uh, well, what should we do? Do I have stuff to read, or should we do random calls? I don't know. Do you, have, do you have anything that you want to read? I don't know. I mean, it's all going to take too much. I don't think maybe I have anything the, Yeah, maybe we should do calls. Let the listeners take the reins a little. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's now the time in the Rick Emerson Show when we take random phone calls. It's 503-733-2970. Please now to be calling 503-733-2970. We will do your random calls, questions, observations, or whatnot uh, until the end of the program. 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How might I help you today? Hey, so um, you guys were talking earlier about recording or not recording the uh, the listener party. Um, did you end up recording the Portland Cello Project last month? Uh, yeah, so somebody had called earlier, uh, and there had been this long discussion uh, about whether we were going to be recording uh, listener party 11. And, and I should note, and I think I noted a while back, that actually we, al- we always in the past have sort of talked about taping the listener parties, and then we sort of never do. And so this one's probably not going to be taped either just because we always sort of fail to do it. And anyway, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, as far as the Portland Cello Project, a couple Fridays ago, uh, I performed at the Aladdin Theater. Uh, me and it was a whole bunch of other people. I just did one song. But uh, Stephanie Schneiderman and, and some the Builders and the Butchers did a thing. And um, I know that they did tape it and they did film that. And I know they started to put up some of the videos. Uh, if you go to PortlandCelloProject.com. You can see some YouTube videos of performances. I don't think mine is up there. I know that uh, they're editing it down, so it'll be up at some point. I don't think mine's up there yet. But uh, PortlandCelloProject.com, they are starting to post some of the performances from that night. I can't wait to see that. It was it was pretty good, actually. I, I think I did a passable job, and then uh, some of the other people were really good. I mean, Stephanie Schneiderman's always really good. And, uh, you know, some of the other uh, people who played that night. There was a guy named Paul, I forget his last name, Paul something or other, who sang a song early on that was really beautiful. So, yeah, PortlandCelloProject.com is the, uh, the place to look for that, sir. Thank you. By the way, the walking around music while they were like setting up and taking down in between songs was brilliant. Do you remember the, uh, they had like four or five of the musicians 
um, would sit down with the cellos and play Star Trek. Music. Oh, oh, it's the Portland Cello Project. Oh, awesome. Yeah, uh, so that was a great thing actually. During the course of the evening, they did all four Star Trek themes uh, on the cello, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah, and they did it in chronological order, starting with the original series. They spaced those out throughout the night. It was pretty great actually. It was the perfect night to be doing like a geek like me kind of a thing. Oh, absolutely. All right, thank All right, you, sir. Thank you. Bye now. That's so cool. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, got two questions, Rick. Yes, sir. One for Sarah. Uh, the place where you got your glasses, Sarah, did you pay over or under $100? And the next question is, Rick, why that at the end of the recap of show, can't today's show start at exactly 11 instead of seven minutes after 11? <laughs> All right, we'll take these in uh, in order of uh, the way they were asked. Okay, Sarah? I purchased my frames. I found the frames when I was in Vegas at like the Hard Rock Cafe, and I, I think I paid like 20 bucks for the frames, and then to get lenses put into the frames, I paid 60. So that's, that's yeah, it costs about 80 bucks. Yeah. Not bad. All right, as to your question, so... Richie every day takes uh, the four-hour program, which airs from 11 to 3. He takes every day's four-hour show, and he boils it down into a recap, which airs the next day starting at 10. And so uh, two things are happening there. A, one is depending on how many commercials we've got on any given day, it's not always the same. Sometimes we have a lot of commercials. Sometimes we have a few, you know, fewer number of commercials. Uh, sometimes the commercials are mostly 30 seconds. Sometimes we have 60-second commercials. So that fluctuates. And, uh, you know, when he's editing the program, sometimes he doesn't want to cut off a good bit halfway through, so he lets it go all the way to the end. So depending on what length of the commercials there are and how, you know, when he can find a good place to edit, you know, sometimes we start right at 11, sometimes we start afterward. It just fluctuates. Very rarely do you start at 11. It's always over. Well, you know, sir, it's it's uh, you know we we do our we do our best, but you know what? At the at the very the very least, we try to make it a seamless transition from the recap into each day's program. But it does it fluctuates with the tides, my friend. All right, thanks. Thank you. All right, final call of the day. Don't suck. You gotta love Jonathan Colton. Thank you. Bye. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. It's Tim Riley in the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the director of engineering, Brian Jones, webmistress is Bridget from upstairs, and of course CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Like us next. See you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks. Bye now. How long do you think the alligator is? It's huge.